Hey, welcome in. Glad you're along for the ride on a Monday installment of the program. Our Monday is always brought to you by our friends at the Best Bet. All kind of early bird special still going on at that Best Bet Orange Park. Saturdays and Sundays, 9 to 10, $300 high hands. And then all kind of fun stuff all week long, including Instapay weekends at Best Bet St. Augustine. That starts uh, coming up on Friday, uh, every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in March. All kind of fun stuff. You know there's always going to be fun games going on at the Best Bet. Three locations, Best Bet St. Augustine, Best Bet Orange Park, Best Bet Jacksonville. Frangie, Carline, Brooks, and Andrew Gibson. The only thing I got to say to you, Hayes Carline, is Mm -hmm. don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. What a show. Don't stop. What a show. I couldn't believe that they played that early. In, like third in third their song. Set. Third yeah. song. Had and you looked at the set list? I had. I knew. And have they been doing that? Well, yeah. The last one I saw, they did. They did. So okay. Journey See, I Don't Stop Believing, third song in. Yeah. But they have so much stuff. It, oh, it was a great it's show. Not like, yeah. It's not like you only have a few things and you play the anthem early. Right. What, do you, what do you got late? It was pretty, it was an amazing show. It really was. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so it caught me off guard and I loved it. I thought it was just fantastic show yeah a wonderful wonderful time really appreciate the hospitality of our guests we met some wonderful yeah. new friends yeah yeah so we, absolutely we did and and our friend chauffeur boz who you see on on twitter all the time big jaguar fan he set us up with a car yeah it was and he, outstanding he, he took good and so so it really worked out well so we had, a, we had a wonderful wonderful time the uh um uh lauren hayes carline played hard i just want you to let you know that i thought he was well uh, you started the show with don't stop yeah don't stop he he uh here's what he did he uh, he came off the edge Okay, he came off the edge. Um, they they left a tight end in. They left a fullback <laughs> in. They went heavy on the offensive line. Didn't stop him. My Hayes last night, five and a half sacks. Okay, um, eight hurries, four fumbles caused, <laughs> and two run back for touchdown. Now that's that a pretty good day. Very good. That's my Hayes car line. That, was that a good assessment? I but but you remember it. as much as best you can remember. I I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's uh, it was it was uh, it was Jarvis Jones circa Florida Georgia in twenty twenty twelve somewhere in there. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it was it, we had such a, a fun time and and again I appreciate everybody. Uh, you know, it was uh, we had we had so much fun and uh, yeah, definitely uh, definitely left it out all uh, all in the arena. All I right. guess is what I would say. Other news report: Give me the first River City Hardball Show. How'd it go? It was awesome. I had people listening that I didn't even know were listening, and so uh, it was great. We had uh, Bartram Trail head coach Ryan Fitzpatrick, his uh, absolute stud, right-hander Skylar Sanford. This kid is 6'6", 210 pounds. He's a junior in high school and throws 96. Yeah. And um, I just told him, in a very serious moment, I told him, stay healthy because you got a bright future ahead of yourself. He's committed to Florida. He initially was committed to FSU, and then – he uh, switched when when uh, Mike Jr. got got fired at Florida State, Mike Martin Jr., and then uh, the Gators got him, and I think they got a really good one. So we'll see if he gets there. He, he uh, you know, a six six two ten guy that's throwing that kind of fastball uh, may get drafted. Pretty good chance of that, but he's got his junior senior year ahead of him. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, Brett Myers was on the very first segment. <laughs> I love the story he told. We played a little bit of that last week, but. Frank, he told a little bit of the story of the 99 Inglewood team that won the state championship, right? Mm -hmm. And he said, Boz, Mike Boswell, who's the coach at Bowles now, he said one thing he used to do was he would put their best four hitters in the final group of BP. Mm -hmm. So when the opposing team would roll into the the stadium, they'd see all these guys hitting bombs. And they would just, he said that was sort of like an intimidation factor uh, going into a game. And he said it worked out for him because they won the title that year. Is that team Brian was on? It is. Yeah, so, so. I, I don't oh, think he cool. was one of the best four hitters yeah, necessarily. Right. He was, a, I think, a much better defensive player you know as far as shortstop. But, but yes, uh, 
he was on that team. You're a starting shortstop on a state championship team. That's pretty good stuff. Oh, yeah. So, so Lauren's boyfriend, uh, Brian, was on that same team with Brett Myers. So, so there you go. I do want to thank – and you said one more thing. Birkin Construction. That's Jeff and, and David's company. Yeah. They were they, – they, our friend Terry Norvell uh, is close friends with them, and he set it up, and Terry and Matt and Hayes and I were able to ride together and hang out in the suite with uh, Birkin Construction. So I want to thank – throw uh, – Shout out to Jeff and David and all the people with Birkin. What a nice group of people. Too. Unbelievable. Yeah, so uh, so they, they, they were they were our hospitality host last night. We had a wonderful time, so we certainly do appreciate that. All right, a lot of things to get to today on the program. We've got an early uh, Duval County Scholar athlete. It'll be by phone, Davian Salas from Riverside High School. Uh, that'll come up in about a half an hour or so because we're headed to Indianapolis tomorrow and a lot to talk about, all the buzzes, the combine, all kind of news uh, we'll get to about the combine, not the least of which is everybody's doing everything. Some people were surprised that Anthony Richardson's doing everything. I wasn't the least bit surprised. This is his, this is his day, man. This is his wheelhouse. No, and, and I'm not saying he's not a good quarterback. But Anthony Richardson lifting weights, running, throwing spirals, being measured. Is there anybody – Is there has a quarterback ever gone there? Maybe Cam Newton. Maybe Andrew Luck. But has a quarterback ever gone there who would do better at that stuff the, as far as the testing? I, I think he has a chance to have the greatest combine for a quarterback that we've ever seen. In testing, in for of, sure. Yeah, in terms of uh, speed and, and strength and uh, in the in the arm power that I think he is going to display. Because a lot of quarterbacks don't want to do that stuff because they know they're not going to test that well. No, Well, that's, that's the whole thing, not just quarterbacks. A lot of players – Either A, they want to do it on home turf. That's what Bryce Young's going to do. He's going to right. do it on his pro day. Uh, C.J. Stroud's going to throw. CJ, Look, C.J. Stroud's good. I, I've been telling you all, C.J. Stroud's a good player. Don't don't sleep on him because I mean, he really is. So I'm not surprised he's throwing. He's going to look good throwing the football. Some mock drafts have him going one and yeah. Bryce Young after that because of Bryce Young's lack of size. I'm telling you, Lauren, he's a good player, man. Uh, he, I, I think he gets dinged because other Ohio State quarterbacks mm-hmm. haven't turned out to be – obviously the jury's still out on Justin Fields, but other uh, Ohio State quarterbacks haven't turned out to be great pros. I'm telling you, he's a good player, man. He, he is, he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. So, um, But, yeah, but I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm also not surprised Levis is throwing. Same thing. Will, when Will Levis got in games, he was just okay. But Will Levis, the bench press, measure, broad-shouldered, tight spiral throwing, run the 40 guy, Will Levis, he won't be Anthony Richardson and those things, but it'll be pretty damn close, Hayes. He really will. Absolutely. And, again, this is, uh, this is where I think you can see some separation because the combine, it's not you know the, the bulk portion of the evaluation for most of these clubs, or probably for any, but it is certainly – 15, 20% of it, I would imagine. And uh, again, this is this is an opportunity for Levis and Richardson to at least get enough of the NFL community focusing on their traits Correct. and not so much the lack of production for Levis in his final year and for uh, Richardson's inexperience. Yeah so, so I, yeah, so I'm not surprised by it at all. So, and I can't wait to see it. I can't wait. We'll be up there again. We will be there live. Tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, we do expect both Doug Peterson and Trent Balky to come by the table tomorrow and spend some time with us. We have a fun thing we're doing up there as well. We're going to do a roundtable that uh, Mike Keith, the play-by-play voice of the Titans, Mark Vandermeer, the play-by-play voice of the Texans, and Matt Taylor, the four of us are going to do it together. And we're going to air it on all four of our stations in each market. We'll air it here. Uh, Matt will air it in Indianapolis, Mark in Houston, 
and Mike in Nashville, just a, sort of a round table from the play-by-play guys. That's awesome. Won't that be fun? I that think is. it'll be fun. Just Do you to, get to wear a crown since you're representing well, the champion? It's funny you said that. We've got this email going around, right? And and it was Mike Keith's idea a few years ago. We weren't able to do it, so then we kind of forgot about. It. So this year we we have we haven't been in a few years. So I told Mike, I said, Mike, let's re up that idea. So Mike sends around the email, and uh, and it said, and 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 Mike kind of laid it out. He's a wonderful guy, by the way. He Mike says Frank goes first. Uh, Frank sets the scene because Frank's the guy that Frank's the team that made the playoffs. I'm thinking, heck of a year to start this thing. <laughs> <laughs> There's, there's a lot of years we could have done this thing, and I might not have gone first. I might not have gotten to host the first segment, so or the first part of it. So I said we picked the right year to do it. So, but, but but there are so many questions we all have. It'll be nice to talk to those people who know those divisions as well as we hope, or know those teams as well as we hope we know ours. I mean, all three of them. When I when I do my questions, you know, you mix up different questions. I've got the same question for all three of them. What are you doing at quarterback? This is the only team in the. I mean, think if we think about this. There's really, I mean, we have no idea what those three are doing at quarterback. I shouldn't say that. We have an idea. But we have no confirmation, and I'm not sure they will either. I mean, the Texans, you figure draft a guy. Okay, we'll see what they say. The Colts, I guess draft a guy. We'll see what they say. Uh, the Titans aren't drafting particularly high. Um, they got a guy, but he's old. They got a guy they just drafted who they must not think is very good. Right? So, I mean, I think it'll be a, a very interesting part of that conversation. Yeah, I think two out of the three are drafting quarterbacks for sure. Sure thing. What so. the Titans do, that's a, certainly a big question mark. I got a lot of things we're going to get. We're going to have a busy show today. A lot of stuff we definitely want to get to. I got a lot on my list here. Um, uh, Gus Bradley keeps his job. I got a thought or two about that I want to get to. Um, Gibby, did you see any of the baseball with the pitch clock? I did. Did you? You guys probably didn't watch any of it. I saw the Braves how they lost that game. Yeah, yeah, but well, and I and I'm I'm guessing by the time it comes around, they won't end the game that way. I, I think this is just a hey, you better pay attention. But I tell you, it. Com- Did you watch any of it, Lauren? I watched college baseball. Not it completely changes the game. It, I mean, the game. I, I Gibby, I didn't think it would change the way the game looked that much, but it completely changes it. It does, uh, and guys that uh, took too long before are going to have to reinvent themselves. Like I, I don't know how Kenley Jansen, who does like a whole, uh, just whole different thing when he tries to wind up and throw. I don't know how he's going to do it because he's got to figure out something else yeah. uh, to get the 15 seconds in time. Uh, and look, it's the average time of a game last year was I think three hours and 15 minutes. I mean, there's games yesterday that were two hours and 10 minutes. The half, the half. Wow. I, I didn't see, I didn't see any two tens, but I saw some two thirties. Yeah, but, but they're they, two hours plus. Yeah, they're, they're, I saw some two thirties, but they said first day of spring training last year, compared to first day of spring training this year, which was Saturday, thirty minutes shorter. Wow, thirty. That's incredible. That's it. That's. I mean, think of they they cut thirty minutes. Now this is just they're they're going first spring training games versus where you play a lot of people and you get a lot of guys in the game and your guys get one at bat or whatever. Thirty minutes shorter. And, and they had to speed up the game. You heard Tim Parenton say it on our show Friday. The one thing he was adamant about is we got to – I'm telling you, it will – if you've watched baseball, you can't imagine how different it will look. The uh, Yesterday, the Astros-Nationals game was two hours and seven minutes. Wow. 2.07. Yeah. 2.07. I did not see that. 2.07. And I mean, yesterday's average game time was 2.41. Yes, yeah. And I, that's what I saw. I saw some 2.30s, but wow. The Braves-Yankees was 2.16. Was it really? Wow. 2.16. So, so you – so what happens is That's you, you go to the mound and you can see – and the way the, the one game I watched, you could see the clock. You got the center field camera behind the pitcher. 
Well, there's two clocks on either side that you can see them. So you're watching the clock tick down. Now, one thing, we'll talk more about this later. I want to get into it. But one thing I will tell you is what I don't think they'll do. I saw one, I don't think it was the Braves game ender, but right when it hit zero, the umpire stopped playing called a ball. I don't think they'll do that. I think it will ultimately be more like delay a game in the NFL where if you're kind of close, they let it go, right? The NFL, they don't want to call delay a game. So you have to be like a full second beyond it before they call it. But they didn't yesterday. They called it right away, but I think that'll change. We'll talk about that. Uh, so much to get to today. Did you see Michael Alford's comments, the FSU AD? Oh, yeah. Powerful, powerful comments, which uh, I'll be interested to see where that goes. And we got so much stuff to do to get to today. Uh, I'm going to get to all of that. I got I got some college basketball thoughts. Uh, so much stuff. We got, I want to talk about Jameis Winston if we get to it. Tony Clark, the uh, the spokesman for the baseball union, spoke. The Iceman had one of the all-world crowds. We got so much stuff to get to. But after the break, I'm going to start with this. We thought so. We believe so. Now we know so. It's very clear what the Jaguars are trying to do. It's very clear how the Jaguars are going to go into the 2023 season. That's how we'll kick off the program. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Just a small town girl Living in a lonely world She took the midnight train going I'll tell you one thing I love in concerts. I, I really do. I tweeted this because I love this. Lauren, you and I have had this talk a bunch too. And I, and Hayes, I love it when the song is so noticeable that the crowd gets so excited that they sing it back to the artist. And I, and I tweeted this, and I'll and I'll and I'll tell you, I've seen, I've seen them sing "Born to Run" back to Bruce a number of times, "Piano Man" back to Billy, "Your Song" back to Elton, "Hey Jude" back to McCartney, "Satisfaction" back to Mick, "Friends in Low Places." They start singing that the minute. You can't even hear Garth uh, to Garth. Um, I've seen him sing Take It Easy back to the Eagles. I've seen him sing Margaritaville back to Buffett. It's the coolest thing. This crowd singing Don't Stop Believing" back to Journey. And I know it's R&L, not Steve Perry, but it's almost the same. You know, that was a, that's an amazing thing. When the, when the crowd, 12,000 probably in the place last night, packed mm-hmm. yeah. every seat singing, singing Don't Stop Back to Journey was pretty cool stuff. It was awesome. Just uh, unbelievable. And, uh, you know, Journey absolutely still has it. Uh, musicianship was outstanding last night from Toto and Journey. And uh, But, yeah, that was certainly a spectacular moment if you love that song. And I can't imagine anybody that's ever heard that song doesn't love it. To me, it's uh, it's one of the more perfect rock songs of all time. Yeah, it re- really, really, really is. So um, great, great night. No question about it. Let's get to the Jags. I hoped this. I wasn't sure it would happen. I wanted it to happen. It's very the theme could not be any more clear. Let's keep the band together. I mean, for one and it does mean reworking a lot of deals and you have to pay the piper at some point. You're you're kicking some money down the road. But right now I thought there was a chance Roy Robertson Harris would get, he played great, was a great leader, was a great player, but I thought he might be gone simply because I didn't think they necessarily would have enough money to, to keep him. They needed the savings. They found a way to keep him. He's excited. Um, they found a way to restructure Aluakon, who I didn't even know was in play for that. They, they're bringing back Jamichael Hasty, who was only the backup running back, and they're certainly going to bring in competition for him. Yeah, we almost never talked about Hasty and whether or not he'd be back. I just assumed he wouldn't. Yeah, and, me too. You know, and I, I just, but he's really – they want to be fast, and he's really fast. And so – but it's clear, Hayes, the, the, they've sent the message now. And, again, 
the big fish are still out there. Ingram and Taylor and Arden Key. We know that. I, I, I get it. But the clear message is we're going to keep that damn band together at all costs, if at all possible. That's the message I got from these last three days. There's no doubt about it because the reality of it is over the next 10 years, maybe 15 years, this is really, to be honest, this is probably their best shot at winning the Super Bowl. Now, they will always be a contender as long as Trevor Lawrence is healthy and it, you know hopefully Doug Peterson will be here. Uh, they'll always be a contender for it. But this is the last year, potentially, that they can take advantage of Trevor Lawrence's rookie contract. And so his cap number just isn't overly high. Uh, it's it's you know roughly $10 million next year uh, for a player of his caliber. That's basically getting, you know, a, a twenty-five million dollar boost uh, in comparison to to most quarterbacks. And again, I would extend Trevor the second I could, which is after this coming season. So, uh, you know, that obviously is going to be a very big contract, and it's going to be tough, even if it's backloaded. Uh, it's still going to be a, a a a very high cap number from the second uh, that that it is consummated. So. Uh, so this is it. I mean, this is this is absolutely go all in, take advantage of it, and uh, and and kick some money down the line. It's interesting looking at Aluakan's restructure and and how they went about doing it according to Spotrac. Uh, so basically, his cap number was uh, for this coming year right around eighteen million dollars. Uh, they have lowered that uh, through the restructure. Uh, his cap number actually would have been $19.1 million. Uh, so his restructure saves about $10 million. And basically what they've done, which I find fascinating because we just have never had to deal with this here. Uh, but according to SpotRack, they, uh, they didn't, obviously they didn't add any, any years to the deal. This isn't an extension. It's a simple restructure, which doesn't uh, require Aluakan's approval, although I'm sure he's very excited because he just got handed a bunch of money. But what it basically does is he's not under contract with the team as of now in 2025, but he will carry a $7.7 million cap hit that year. Uh, in 2026, he will, he again, may not be on the team, but will carry a $2.6 million cap hit uh, in 26 and in 2027. So yes, they've moved money down the line, but Again, by the time we get to the 2025 season, that salary cap, that number, it's a very small percentage. And then really in 26 and 27, you're talking about almost microscopic money uh, in relation to the cap. So uh, I, I commend the Jaguars, because, it, uh, on, and I would assume this is what they're going to do with Christian Kirk as well. Uh, there's no reason not to. Uh, they, they absolutely have all the avenues that they need to get the cap space that they need to retain everybody and keep the band together. Frank, to your point, if, if, if they're able to get the, you know, Jawan Taylor, Evan Ingram, Arden Key, if they're able to uh, reach a deal with them. And it makes me more optimistic that they will with those three based off of everything that they've been doing. But here's why you had to keep Roy Robertson Harris, five tackles for loss, two quarterback hits, two pass breakups, and a sack during the playoffs. You yeah. you can't necessarily draft someone who's going to do that Very good next point. season. Yes, you know what? I'm glad you pointed it out. When the money when when the money really matters, absolutely, is when he was a money player. I agree with you. Hayes, how to something you just said? Let me let me let me go deeper into your your cap mind for a second. How confident are you now 
that they've done enough to keep those three players here. Um, and, and, and the key guy I'm going to say is Taylor because that's going to be the hard – we've all agreed that's the hard one to keep here. I think most people agree that Evan Ingram's going to be here, be it a tag or not. Arden Key, my gut says he's here. Um, so so how confident are you that, that this last three, four days of announcements will enable them to keep Juwan Taylor? I, I know you talked about it a minute ago, but how confident? Sure. They, they still need to restructure Christian Kirk, who has a $23 million cap hit. But again, that doesn't require his approval. It's exactly what they just did with Aluakon. Frankly, I'm kind of surprised they haven't already announced it. Um, uh, I'm, I would imagine that they will uh, either later today or maybe tomorrow. I would think that this is something that they would do before Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke meet with reporters uh, in about 20 hours in Indianapolis. So I uh, they can... Sp- still save money with Christian Kirk uh, in terms of a restructure, and they still can release Shaq Griffin, which they haven't done that either, which is going to save over $13 million. So they basically have $23 million that they can save off the cap almost instantaneously and with no pain. You just hand Christian Kirk a a nice check, uh, convert his cap number into a a signing bonus, and – and you and you waive Shaq Griffin and and get the savings that come with that. So uh, so they they still have work to do, but it's not like it's difficult work. It's not gonna. It's not anything that's gonna require a negotiation. Um, and, and so yeah, they're they're in great shape. And and then it just comes down to, can you work out deals with Ingram, Taylor, and Key? If uh, you know. I, to me, if if they're able to somehow bring all three of those players back, I mean, I don't know that we've ever seen a team bring back as many quality players as this team will be bringing back. It's it's twenty four deep. I mean, it, it's it's remarkable, and uh, and that's before you get to your uh, draft class. So um, they're in great shape. Uh, again, I would expect a Christian Kirk restructure imminently. And uh, I would expect Shaq Griffin to be waived uh, at, at some point here, uh, you know, in the next, it's got to be, in, you know, certainly it's got to be before March 14th, but I would think it would be earlier than that. It's funny. Last week we were saying, I'm surprised we haven't seen this news come out from the Jaguars yet. The Saints are already doing it. Why haven't the Jaguars done it yet? And then the weekend comes and all the news rolls out. Yeah. And, and I, and again, I, as I said at the top of the segment, you can you can take a message from moves. Moves give you a message. The move the message is very clear. We think we found something. And again, <laughs> I know there were some almost losses among those wins, just like when there was the or there were some almost wins among those early losses. I get all of that, but I will tell you, um, that j- the team they put on the field that last what two months of the season, that was a good NFL football team, man. That was a good they, – they put a good NFL football team on the field those last two months of the season with a lot of young guys. And when you're a good NFL football team with a lot of really young guys who are playing together for the first time with your first year in a system, that is exciting stuff. And and this is and not that they didn't know that, but, but it just tells you that they knew that and that they want to continue it. I mean, a good young football team those last two months. And we talked about – how Doug Peterson was, uh, you know, focused on the culture yeah. around that stadium and 
this team has exactly what he wanted. So why wouldn't you want to keep them together and not try and bring in people that you don't really know how they're going to fit the culture? Yeah, the only thing wrong with that team last year, really, the only really wrong – I mean, you can always get better. It's not like all 22 positions are elite. I mean, you can always get better personnel. Any, every team can do that. The Chiefs can get better personnel uh, in some spots. But the only thing wrong – the only thing wrong with that team last year, the only thing, was it was so young in some spots – that there's still guys that have to develop yet. It was uh, Trayvon Walker and Devin Lloyd were so young. Chad Moon was young. Luke Fortner was young. Now that's the way the world in the NFL. But the team was so – Travis Etienne was young, first season he ever played. Trevor Lawrence is his second season in the league, first under this kind of tutelage. So the only negative, and it was not even a negative, it's a positive, because that means you guys are going to be here. But the only thing that you think will get better is young stuff. Young st- – and, and you love that. Because young guys who are talented, we presume they all are, are going to get better. So, um, and they're cheaper. <laughs> and, and and they're cheaper. You know what? And they're cheaper. So I I, I love where they are. I, I I've got a. I'm so I was really excited to see the Robertson Harris news because I didn't think they were going to be able to do that. It's it's incredible. Again, the amount of talent that they have. I you're adding Calvin Ridley. You're adding your draft class, and you already have such a stacked. Uh, team coming back. I mean, again, you've got Trevor Lawrence, Christian Kirk, Aluakon. You've got Tyson Campbell, Josh Allen, ETN. You've got Ingram, assuming all these guys, these free agents are back. Uh, Cam Robinson, Sheriff, Zay Jones, Trayvon Walker, Luke Fortner, Arden Key, Devin Lloyd, Roy Robertson-Harris, Rayshon Jenkins, Cook, Agnew, Cisco, Devon Hamilton, Fadakasi, Darius Williams, Walker Little. I mean, teams don't normally have two dozen quality players. And that's why I, I think I think the expectation is even going to rise as excited as everybody is. I think the expectation when we get to the season, because of how winnable the division looks, uh, so really these guys should be going after seed, not a division title, but trying to get the best possible seed and get home field and, and knowing that go all in, take take advantage of, of Trevor's uh, economical contract while it is, is – the bargain that it is, there's just not going to be teams that are going to be this stacked. When you've got 24 players that you can count on and you have to assume that they're going to have at least two from the draft class that are going to help them in some fashion, may not be stars, but right. but contributors, you just don't get this in the NFL. You just don't get it. We'll take a break. When we come back, our Duval County Scholar Athlete of the Week joins us by phone because obviously we're heading to, uh, heading to Indianapolis in the morning. So uh, Davion Salas from Riverside High School, that's next. Stay with us. And now, this week's Scholar Athlete of the Week, brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialists and the Plumbers and Pipefitters Local Union 234 on 1010XL. We love talking to our Duvar County Scholar Athletes, and Davian Salas is our guest right now from Riverside High, a senior. Hello, Davian. How are you? I'm doing fine, you. We are doing great. Thanks so much for joining us, and congratulations. All right, I know you're a baseball player. How long have you been playing baseball? I've been playing baseball my whole life since I can remember, to be honest. All right, tell me a little bit about your baseball team, Davian. Tell me about uh, Coach Goff, uh, how you guys are doing this year, what position you play. Give us a little overview. Okay, so I play for Riverside High School. I'm a, I'm, I'm a senior, and I play third baseman. I play third baseman. I play second. And then our season hasn't started off the best, I would say. But I feel like eventually down the road, it's, everything's going to start to click, and we're going to start winning these games. 
Great to talk with you. Uh, tell us about your favorite athletic memory that you have from a game or a performance that you had. Uh, I'll say my first – I have two. My first one would probably be when I threw the no-hitter against Atlantic Coast last year. Wow, and awesome. That gave us, yeah, that gave us our first win in school history against them. And then I'll probably say my second one was um, with the walk-off charities my sophomore year. We actually held an event at – our home field and help um, give back to the community. You know what, David? I was there that day, and I thought it was one of the coolest things I ever saw. So many Riverside players were out there helping those little kids, and I thought it was one of the coolest things. You guys were really into it. You didn't just show up because you were told to. You guys really helped those little kids, didn't you, that day? Yes, sir, and it felt good giving back to them, just giving them the knowledge of the game. Davian, why did you want to play baseball when you were little? That's a good question. So, honestly, at first it was like a hobby. And then I'll say around the age of 10, 11, I really fell in love with it. And I really understood, like, where I could go with the game. And I fell in love with it, honestly, through my pops. Like, me and him would just sit, watch games all day. We'll, we'll talk about it. After a tough loss, we'll talk about it. After a win, we'll still talk about it basically by my overall performance and I can do better. Did he play baseball? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> well, so you come by it honestly. I want to hear more about this no hitter. What'd you have uh <laughs> what'd you have working that day? Honestly, like I'll tell you, I'll tell you, like from the bullpen, like warming up, I could not throw a strike to save my life. Like <laughs> I told I told my pitching coach, I was like, I don't know if today's my day. He was like, just go go out there and have fun. And like trust it, so so I go out there, like my curveball is working, I'm hitting my spots, my changeup working, like all my pitches were just working. They've been there, bad bullpen, good game. I've seen the other two, so uh, that's very cool. Final thing or two, let's talk about college. I, I know that you've applied to a number of schools, FAMU, FSU, Valdosta State, among those. Tell me what kind of some of your thinking is about college. What do you hope happens there? Honestly, I hope I get like a scholarship to play baseball with whoever honestly i i just want an opportunity for me to show my talent all right well damien uh, davian salas is our uh, duval county scholar athlete of the week a really good student at riverside a darn good baseball player and he plays for coach goff over there who has a terrific program davian thanks for spending so much time man and congratulations on being our duval county scholar athlete of the week thank you for having me all right davian salas let me tell you what i, I was there that day we, we did it mm -hmm. at woodstock park and it was one of our clinics. We don't know. We, most of our clinics are during the school year, right. and they're they're with, as you guys know, with uh, field trips. And Lauren, you know, you're involved in those uh, each week, each month. Well, this one was on a Saturday, and we just had a lot of kids in that area, the West Side area, headed to Woodstock Park, which is on Beaver Street. And it was cold, and we had a lot of areas. And and, and Jared Simmons and, and Kennedy Talley, Kennedy Grayson from our staff, arranged the food, and and Jared put together some coaches and some of our coaches from our North Side League. I thought we'd have, I was expecting you know, 15, 20 kids because it wasn't, you know, it was, sure. it was during, we must have had 150 kids out there. Oh, wow. And we were probably understaffed with coaches. We, we had a, we probably had, you know, as you know, Lauren, for our, for our clinics, we have between 120 and 200 kids, most clinics, mm -hmm. give or take. And we have a minimum of 16 coaches. We have eight stations and we have two coaches per station. Now, thanks to JU and UNF and Edward Waters and FSCJ, we've had more than that, but it's always a minimum of, of 16 coaches. We had 120, 130 kids out there that day. We might have had six coaches. 
it, it, that was it. We had all those Riverside players from Riverside High School, and they were awesome. And Perfect. just like Davian said, they they spent so much time with those kids trying to teach them. You talk about paying it forward now. It was really cool. So I'm glad he brought up that day at Woodstock Park, that walk-off charities event we had, which was really, really cool stuff. So. By the way, speaking of FSCJ in baseball, I saw that one Brooks Hicken yeah. is heading to play there. Yeah, that's cool. He's very He's going to be a two-way player there, too. Okay. He, they're going to give him a chance to pitch and hit. And I hope he gets a chance under Tommy Boss, who's such a good pitching coach, to pitch a little bit. Uh, Brooks is such a nice kid. He's a really good kid, and and I know Dan and, and Reagan are very excited about that. So I'm, I'm very I'm glad you brought it up. I'm very excited for Brooks and as he continues to play baseball. And Providence has a good team. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, he's going to have some good moments uh, as they all are uh, this season. I want to get to I want to get to the top of the hour. Talk about this FSU stuff, but I want to go back to the pitch clock. I will make this comment, okay? And, and I and I believe this in my heart of hearts. This will be our 10-10 take, as a matter of fact. I think this will change the way a sport looks more than anything we've done in, in our sports in decades. This will change the way. We change the rules all the time. Maybe Hayes all the way back to the three-point line in the NBA. When we decided that came in, mid-70s or something like that, you looked it up for us? Yeah, late 70s. When it took it from the, that's right, from the ABA. This will change. Look, the NFL went from – Extra points that were from the two-yard line now from the 15-yard line. The NFL's changed the rules a lot. Baseball's changed the rules a lot. They're going to have the shift rule. But I, my jaw dropped when I saw how different the game looked with this pitch clock. And you know what? I'm, I've watched baseball my whole life. I'm 64 years old. I, I've been a baseball fan since my dad and I sat down and watched Gibson pitch against Drysdale and the Dodgers and the Cardinals when I was six years old. I remember the game, right? That, that's how long I followed baseball. I will tell you. Honestly, I was shocked at how different it looked, which made me think, boy, they really did lollygag. You know that? that in my, they, pitchers would walk around the mound and, and kick dirt off their spikes and, and look around a little bit, and, and batters would walk around and adjust their, the, the, the batting gloves. Remember Nomar Gibby? Oh, yeah, the he had stuff. his whole routine. They, they would have this stuff. I can't believe how much we dawdled until I saw as a sport without the dawdling. Did you, I, Frank, I can't believe it. Did you see the video that's circulating on social media? So somebody put the video of, this is the 2016 World Series or 2016 playoffs, somewhere along there. The Cubs are playing the Dodgers. David Ross is at the plate. I think it was Pedro Baez for the Dodgers was on the mound. And they put a, sm- a video in the right corner of Jose Altuve uh, inside the park home run. And they said, how many times will Jose Altuve round the bases and score on an inside the park home run? Before Baez yeah. throws the pitch, right seven times. I'll be damned. Altuve right? went around the bases seven times. Seven before he threw a pitch. How about that? How, and how, it's like Joe Buck was yeah. on the call. It must have been the World Series because yeah. he was like, I mean, what are we doing here? I I did not realize that. That's a great example. Hayes, you can't imagine how different this game's gonna look. You didn't realize how much they dawdled. My, my sport, my favorite sport, the, because there's no dawdling now. You dig in and pitch. You, the pitcher's got to be ready to pitch. The batter's got to be ready to hit. It is so different. I'm telling you. Wait till you guys watch these games. I'm yeah. you, watching I'm, it now. Yeah, I am, I am looking forward to – You watch it now, right? Yeah, yeah to watching, uh, you know, once we get into the – once we get to opening day and, and really getting a sense of, of what it's going to be because I agree in, in terms of radical change. It, let's just say the average game drops 30 minutes this season. Well, if you watch – let's and let's say you're a fan that's going to watch every single game – your favorite team plays. Right. So that's uh, and, and let's just say you watch no other baseball. Right. Let's just say you watch those 162 games and that's it. Or as just a general fan you end up watching 162 games. However you want to uh determine it. 
if the average game is 30 minutes shorter, you will have gained 3.4 days of your life back. How about that? For the year. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Full days. 3.4 Frank, you're going to get younger. <laughs> I'm getting, I can't <laughs> wait. Tom Brady. I'm watching more baseball. I wonder if they'll do more double headers because the games are shorter. Well, well, that's a great point. Is is That's a great call, Gibby. What will they do differently? Maybe it's double headers. Maybe I, it's, I hope they maybe, do. Maybe it's changed the starting times. But what what will they change? The problem with adding double headers is you're losing a gate. Yeah, Nobody right. wants to lose a gate. But, 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 I, but I'm with you. It may not be double headers, but to Gibby's question – what will change when they see how fast, how much faster the games are? I, I will they will they will they ch- change the television windows? Will there be two games on ESPN on a Wednesday night instead of one or, or or whatever? Now the one we're watching now, we're watching the Mets and the Cardinals. You can't see the clock. The game I no, watch, you, it's just up there on the screen for you. But yeah, you can't yeah, see the yeah, physical on, pitch clock. Right, but on the Pirates game, mm-hmm. they, it showed the actual clock. It showed the actual clock, so you could actually watch what the pitchers were watching. Here they've got it on the graphic. But I'm telling you, they showed it so you could see the pitcher trying not to get distracted by it. But I mean, it, it goes fast, man. It goes. It was. It was. It, I can't believe how much it changed the game. I think we, another. Go I, ahead, Lauren. I was just gonna say, are we w- more concerned about pitchers' arms now that we're speeding up the pitching, and you, we've already been concerned about their arms? You know what? I wish I was smart enough to know that answer because it's a great question. How does this affect the health? I, I I've got to believe they don't believe it will very much. You know, but, but yeah, we'll certainly gain but, but how, stats after the season. But how can you not at least wonder that, right? I'm certainly already concerned. Yeah, yeah. How, how do you wonder? But I mean, obviously, they've done enough work that if that was the case, um, and I don't know, is it, is it healthier? Yeah, it's just. But I'm telling you, I was. My wife was walking by. She goes, "Your eyes are popping out." I said, "Well, sit down and watch this game with me." So she sat and watched the game with me for a minute. It's amazing how fast it goes when they pitch. You know, and, and then the inning and and the umpires and it's both of them. If the batter's not ready, it's a it's a strike. If the pitcher's not ready, it's a ball. I mean, it's uh, it's it's. I'm telling you, I I didn't see this. I didn't see this changing. I no, Gibby, nowhere in all those stories about the minor leagues did anybody act like it was going to be this dramatic. Did they? I never heard anybody talk about it being feeling like this. No, but I think one thing that obviously worked was that uh, clearly for now minor leagues have been doing this for a couple of years now. Some of them have, right? Yeah. So yeah, like tri- if you go to the jumbo shrimp game, yeah, you've yeah, seen right. this exactly. So AAA, yeah, Triple A's been doing it for a little while. So clearly it works. And if it works at Triple A, they're going to do it in the major leagues. That's how how it really works. But yeah, I think uh, one thing that's really I believe helped the pitchers is the pitchcom because now right. uh, pitchcom is is the uh, device that you have an earpiece with your pitcher and the catcher has it as well, and you can hear back and forth what they're trying to to communicate what the pitches are. Yesterday, Max Scherzer was calling his own pitches, and that helped him get to the fifteen second clock because before. If you're like it's a sunny day and you're staring into the catcher and you can't really see, well now you're that's out of time. Right. Yeah, good point. Good that that that's all the mechanisms make it make it easier to speed up. I'm saying I'm watching the game, and so so there'd be a a a, a foul ball or something or a guy. So they show the replay. Well, it's only 15 seconds. Yeah, you got to. So you're speed watching the re- replay. So you so they had Lauren. They had to speed the replay up, and then when they get back, the guy's throwing the pitch. Usually after the replay's over, the guy's still looking in, getting his signs. So they, the director, it's going to change what the director does. He's got to show that replay quick, and the and the analyst who's got to get the, you know, uh, in baseball, in ba- in football, the analyst should always be done when they break the huddle. Okay, in baseball, the analyst should always be done when the pitcher nods. Okay, always. I've done a lot of baseball. The pitcher should always, the analyst should be done. Well, the analyst is still talking. Some of the games I'm watching, that guy's reaching back. 
I mean, it was a, it's, it's a facet. I, I can't no wait more to watch storytelling. It. Well, that's what I was going to say. From a broadcast standpoint, the downtime is when you're trying to fit in the, the storylines. Correct. Right. I'm doing Correct. Florida and JU tomorrow night, and uh, they're not as drastic as that. They do um, they do have a little bit of that in college baseball, Lauren, as you were talking before. But uh, you got whatever story you're trying to get in, you better get it in. Yeah, you're right. And by the way, Gibby, uh, this story for another time, I guess. I'll be interested to see what you think of that Florida that offense. Yeah. Well, eight bombs yesterday. They hit eight home runs yesterday. Yeah, that's a program record. The, uh, they hit eight. Jack hit three. Jack Caglione, I guess. Pitched. Yeah, Caglione. Yeah. He, he hit three home runs yesterday. I mean, this guy. Is he show? Is he college baseball Shohei Otani right now? Well, well, I mean, that, it's early. Well, he's got to be good enough to be that, but he's certainly the one guy that could. Now, college baseball's got a lot of that. The guy from – who was the guy from Louisville that went to the Rays? He, the left-handed guy? Brendan McKay. Yeah, yes, he, that's he, right. He was that guy in college, too. But the uh, – um, but Caglione – He's 6'5", 245. You'll see that a lot in baseball, okay? He's 6'5", 245. He's hitting tape measure. He's hit, he's hit about three of them that are 400-plus feet. He's a college player, and he's throwing 97. Yeah, he struck out six yesterday. And, and I don't think he's draft eligible. See, it's only his second year out of high school. Right. So you, you're not – he had a uh, Tommy John last year. So you're not dra- – correct. You're not draft eligible until your third year out unless you're 21. So I don't know when he – if he turns – if he turns 21 before June 5th or whatever it is, then he's draft eligible. If he doesn't turn 21, if he turns 21 June 10th, he's got to come back to Florida. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing stuff. Really Can he is. play linebacker? <laughs> <laughs> probably. After watching him hit, he probably well, – it's his birthday. I'm curious if he's draft eligible. We'll look that up. Anyway, we come back. I think a major story in college athletics was Michael Alfred's comments um, to the board of trustees at FSU – very public comments, even though he wasn't in a public forum. It, it, it was on YouTube. I think – I loved it, by the way. I absolutely loved it. And if you're a Florida State fan, you should really love it. Uh, we'll talk about what Michael Alfred had to say about the current uh, television structure and where the ACC fits in after this. How was this? So good. I, it's, I don't think any of us could believe how good Toto was. Yeah. I mean, Toto, that's the one that wowed us. Are they yeah. all still together? I, think, I don't know enough but, about yeah, them. I'm not a, but yeah, it, I, I think two or three of them were the, the two singers were the original singers. Well, they talked about being friends with Journey for over 45 years. Yeah. In yeah. fact, wasn't it the Toto lead singer that said that his son right. married one of their daughters, one of the Journey, of guys the daughters. Journey guys' yeah. daughters? Yeah. yeah. But it was, but it, they were good, That's man. That's cool. They yeah. were, they were. Did really anyone good. sing "I Miss the Rains" down in Africa? They, 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 I miss the rains. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's words. I thought, that was I oh, thought that, it yeah. was. I miss the rains down in Africa. <laughs> yeah. That I bless. Yeah. Since then, I've corrected it when yeah. I sing it. But I just yeah. wondered if anybody was singing the wrong <laughs> words last well, night. Well, we might, we may or may not have <laughs> been going around by about that time. Again, we we warmed up a little before. That's before. what you're supposed to do. And Concert then, then drinks. We, we well, warmed, for y'all, they weren't expensive. We warmed up a lot, and so. By the time um, I can't confirm or deny whether one of us or whether or not that one of us was me this time might have been walking around telling everybody in the suite they're about to bless the rains. <laughs> 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 oh, you're going around they're about to, hey they're about to bless the blanking rain. That's what we yeah, said because we, right. we knew we knew it was the last song. Yeah, you know, so that we, well, we knew they hadn't yeah. blessed the rains yet. I that's said right. I went up to say hey hey they're yeah. about to bless the goddamn rain. <laughs> It was pretty fun. So did the sweet hosts realize how much fun y'all would have? Well, I, I don't know, but they were having fun, too. It was a okay. great group. It was yeah, a, it was it was a wonderful a group. Jeff and Dave and their group was a wonderful group. And I think we all had a pretty good time together, but maybe not. Maybe not. So, uh, so, and Hayes left out of there. Uh, Hayes said, make sure everybody knows who the fun one was. <laughs> Hayes said, I'm the fun one. 
Oh, it was really fun. We had a great time. Um, all right, I want to get this. Uh, I think this is possibly an important story. I mean, I, I think I think it's in a very important story. Michael Alford, when speaking to the board of trustees, essentially said this: "Enough is enough with this crap in the ACC." Now, one of the reasons he did it, he was probably lobbying at the SC, at the ACC winter meetings a couple weeks ago. FSU and Clemson asked for a bigger percentage of the take than everybody else. If I read the percentage right, 15%. What's that? 15% for FSU, 24% for Clemson and FSU. Meaning what? FSU brings in 15% of the revenue for the conference. Clemson and FSU combined bring in 24% of the revenue for the conference. But it's shared equally amongst all. Which means they get 7%. Correct. So if FSU is bringing in 15, and they're only obviously to get seven because there's 14 teams, but if they're bringing in – that's twice. So apparently that's not going to happen. But FSU is threatening a leaving, which would cost them $120 million exit fee, and they'd have to challenge that grant of rights legally. Um, everybody says they have no chance to win the grant of rights argument. But I like the fact that somebody in the ACC – is fighting back. What it, what FSU is saying is this. The league sucks, and the only reason the league has any traction at all in football is because of Clemson or us. That's 100% right. There, Miami once upon a time. But, again, Miami's had one 10-win season since 2002. Sorry, at this point, you got to show something. So the reality is any, tr- any football traction that league ever gets, ever, Hayes, is because of those two programs. I will, I will, I will hold out hope that Miami could rejoin the party at some point. They had, they made a great hire in Cristobal. I think he is going to do good things there. I do believe it. But there will never be a time when Georgia Tech or Virginia or North Carolina or North Carolina State or Syracuse or Boston College or Pitt ever brings them football traction. Hayes, never. The the answer it's not once in a that doesn't mean one of the teams can't have a good year. Georgia Tech won the national championship in 1990, but they didn't bring him traction. It was a one-year deal. So it really is a two, with the possible exception of Miami, if they ever get it going again. It's a two-football team conference, and I like the fact that FSU said, I I don't know what their plan is. Ira Schofield wrote a great column about it, and, and he said, I'm not sure what, the, what they're what trying to get done. But I like the fact that someone said, we got to change this. We're trying to compete with Florida. Florida takes home $35 million more per year, $35 million more per year than we do from their TV contract, and we're expected to beat them, and we're expected to beat them in November. We're expected to out-recruit them. Yet it's $35 million more. So I, I love – I don't know what it's going to become, but I love someone said enough's enough. I think it's, I think it's a great move by Michael Alford. Yeah, I commend him for certainly taking the aggressive stance, but I – I'm curious to see what it will actually result in because you're not, I don't believe, uh, you're not paying the buyout. That seems just incredibly costly. Um, And we've talked about the grant of rights, that if you leave, that's great, but then you don't get the new TV money when you get to your new conference. The ACC gets it because they have your TV uh, rights until 2036. So I I don't know that there's any easy way out of here. Certainly Florida State, you know, probably didn't see this coming. You know, this was their decision. No one, you know, forced them to join the ACC. You know, that was a decision that they made 30 years ago. 
uh, and and didn't they didn't want to be in the SEC, uh, which would have opened them, you know, uh, or welcomed them with open arms. Uh, this is the consequence of that decision 30 years ago. Is now it looks like, well, you're certainly stuck. It's just a question of can can you find a resolution? But I mean, I don't think the other ACC schools are going to go with the. Uh, you know, are going to acquiesce to this and say, you know, you're right. You guys bring in more, so we're going to give you more. I just, I don't think it's, I don't think they're going to do it. I, they, they really have no incentive to do it. We all know Florida State is going to leave and Clemson is going to leave the second that they can. So giving them the uneven money, I don't think is going to, I mean, it's, it's, it's a nice gesture, but I don't think the other 12, Schools are going to do it and say, "Yeah, we'll give up millions of dollars uh, to to keep you know you guys happy." Because I mean, that's when you join a conference. Florida State was the biggest football brand when they joined the ACC. So all of this is stuff that Florida State knew, they accepted, and and yeah, it's it's a tough predicament, but it's one of their own doing. Yeah, Irish Affel texted someone from the Board of Regents for Florida State and asked him about the grant of rights, and the only response he got back is, uh, we feel good about the grant of rights. But that doesn't, We understand it. Yeah, we, yeah, but that doesn't really change anything. Well, it, it is locked in place. And so I, this, to me, is – I understand why Michael Offord is trying to say something needs to change, but I don't know how they're going to go about getting the change because, right, the other schools are not going to just willingly give up part of the revenue. Well, I think this. I think – no, I no, I don't think they are either, nor should they, by the way. And to Hayes' point – Florida State, back in the day, people that worked at Florida State would say the SEC never officially offered us. Well, it was widely known, I believe, in the early 90s, late 80s, that FSU could have made their way into the SEC if they wanted to. I I believe what you said. I believe that. I also know that the reason they didn't, by the way, it was a smart decision. Money wasn't any different then. And Wayne Hogan, then the SID, later the AD, told me at Daytona Beach, at the uh, sports writers, the FSWA sports writers convention at Daytona Beach, which he had right before media days every year, right after media days, right before spring pra- or fall practice. He said, Frank, he said, Coach Bowden said back then they were playing an independent schedule before there was a conference, and the independents were Memphis and Virginia Tech and South Carolina, which wasn't in the SEC yet, and Tulane and Cincinnati, the old Metro Conference. That's who they wanted. He said, Coach, he said, Frank, Coach Bowden said to me, why would I want to play LSU and Georgia and Alabama and Auburn and Tennessee every year when I can play Tulane and South Carolina and, and, and Louisiana Tech and Cincinnati and Memphis? Why would I change that? We're trying to win a national championship. I'm paid to win a championship here. Why would I voluntarily take on harder teams? Why would I do that? And so that's why they did and you're right about that. But here's where I differ a little bit from you. I agree your point. But Michael Alford didn't agree to that. Michael Alford was probably in high school then or whatever, or college. His job is to fix it, regardless of who dug the hole. His And by the way, going to that conference or not going to the SEC might have might have led to three national championships. So it might have probably a good move. It may not be a good move for him now. And I'm not saying they wouldn't have won those three national championships if they'd been in the SEC, but they might not have. And they, I mean, that 93 team would have beaten anybody. So, so 93 and 99, all three teams are really good, so maybe they would have. But I get it. The, the plan has worked for them. They were the dominant team in college football for all those years. But Michael Alford's play is, it's my job to fix it, not to worry about why we got in it. I got hired to fix it. And so I wonder if there's a play. My guess is 
They're going again. Ira made a great point in that column. He said, "Listen." He said, "Everyone says FSU doesn't have any money, but they continue to play Willie Taggart two hundred thousand dollars a month, and they still have almost a year left on that. So, and they've done it for three years now. So they'll find the money. My guess is they are going to come up with the hundred and twenty million dollar exit fee. My guess is." They will challenge the grant of rights legally because nobody, as I also said in the column, nobody really knows what's going to happen until somebody really does challenge it. Everyone's got there's a lot of legal opinions, but nobody really knows if if, if that thing's going to look unconstitutional at some point. The exact quote, by the way, was we have a very good handle on the grant of rights. Right. So so nobody knows what's going to happen. The biggest question is who's taking them. That's the biggest question. The SEC, I can't imagine wants to want to add any more teams, and and I don't think they fit the Big Ten for what the Big Ten's looking for. Now the Big Ten may want the Florida market. I can tell you this: I see the Big Ten taking them before the SEC. Don't you? I don't think uh, either takes them. Well, I I don't necessarily do but, either. But I guess if to, if it was one I, or the I, other, if it was one or the other, I'll, I'll actually say I think the SEC takes the, them. I just don't know that the S the I know for a fact. The Big Ten, and I'll stand by this. I'll die on this hill, as they say. The the Big Ten wants Georgia Tech. It has wanted Georgia Tech for the longest time. It wants the television market. It wants the size of the city. It wants a, the great academics that Georgia Tech brings. The Big Ten has coveted Georgia Tech for years, and I can tell you that. I've been told that by people that really do know that the Big Ten has coveted Georgia Tech. Well, the Big Ten has said it's – still looking to expand. Correct. The SEC has not said that. And I just can't imagine the, the SEC adding another school. Now, to, it, to, to Greg Sankey's credit, he has said, we want to stay in our footprint, and this would be in the footprint. I just don't know what you gain. Do you, would, you, would you suddenly – the SEC is going to have, what, 16 teams with Texas and Oklahoma? Correct. So you, no one's going to 17, like Greg Sankey said. It's good. Right. It, there'd have to be two. D- does splitting that pie two more ways – is there anything that Clemson or FSU or anybody could get you? Let's say Clemson and FSU were both wanting to get in. Would you make enough money by adding those two brands that the, that the 18-way split is bigger than the 16-way split without them? Isn't that, the, isn't that really the only question? That's absolutely the only question, and, and I don't know that it does. Yeah. I, you know, and that, that's, that's what I think is, is to me, the, the most fascinating aspect of all this is – Florida State, no one would argue Florida State and Clemson have uh, unbelievable athletic programs, and they would be a, a fine addition to any conference on paper. But do they bring enough in terms of attention to justify another piece of the pie being split? And and that's where I, I don't know that they do with the power the SEC and the Big Ten have. that. The SEC and Big Ten don't need to expand further. At this point, it's almost overkill. I mean, the SEC I agree has I agree. a litany of elite athletic programs. Uh, certainly, the Big Ten you know, has, has strengthened their rotation by adding USC. Uh, so, I, I, I just don't think the motivation is really going to be there. I mean, what, what, it, what is the point? And the other thing, too, is... I think, you know, a conference is, is not really supposed to be 20 teams. I mean, it's 16. I think you're at a point where is this a conference or is it its own league? And if it's its own league, then I'll certainly have that discussion. We've talked about that. If you're going to do that, then expand to 24. 
and break off from everybody and have your own championship yeah. uh, and, and keep all the money. But, uh, but it doesn't seem like that's where this is headed either. So, yeah, no, I, I, I think Alfred's doing the right thing. I mean, it's absolutely what he should be doing. I just think, I, I just think it's either going to be really expensive or it's, it's going to be almost impossible to, to maneuver this until 2036. And I, it, it's, it's, it's a disadvantage that I think Florida State's just going to have to I don't know how a school could come up with 120 million to leave a conference. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, I, I just don't know how. I mean, that that is. But he's make, but he's making the comment for some point, unless he's just trying to negotiate for the unequal share, and maybe that's what it. Maybe this maybe lobbying, but uh, but 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 we'll see what happens. Well, the, the interesting thing about this is, rather than just uh, keep it to ourselves, keep it to ourselves, an AD from one school said this is crap, and I like the fact that he did. We'll see what happens. Let's take a break. When we come back, I want to talk quarterbacks. What happened to Jameis Winston? What happened to Carson Wentz? Just released today. Um, but I really want to focus on Jameis. That's next. Stay with us. Frank Frangie Hayes, Carlion. Lauren Brooks, Andrew Gibson with you as we continue along. Do want to thank our friends from The Best Bet, the best place to hang out. Gosh, they do a great job at The Best Bet. The Best Bet, three wonderful locations. The Best Bet at St. Augustine, Orange Park, and Jacksonville right over there on on Monument Road. Hey, what happened to Jameis Winston? Jameis Winston, for, for people that don't know, mega recruit, five-star, everybody wanted, out of Hueytown, Alabama, Florida State, Jimbo Fisher landed him. First game he ever played as a – redshirted. First game he ever played as a college player, completed 27 of 28 passes, and they beat Pitt, and then it was off. Undefeated season, national championship. Undefeated the next year until they got beaten in the playoffs. Uh, incredible, incredible, incredible college player. Uh, first round, first pick in the draft, first overall pick in the 2015 draft um, by the Buccaneers. Uh, played there for a while, played for the Saints. He's technically under contract for the Saints for one more year, but he, they could save $12 million by cutting him, and many believe they will. He's only 29 years old, which is not old at all for a quarterback. Yet I find myself not convinced he's ever going to have a place again. What happened with Jameis Winston? I, I think the knee injury in 2021 uh, it has really derailed him because at the time, uh, he was 5-2 and two as a starter. Uh, he hurts the knee. He'd thrown 14 touchdowns and uh, three interceptions. He was playing winning football for the Saints. And he got hurt, and he's just never been able to get back out there and be productive. Now, he hasn't had a lot of opportunities. He's only had three games since. Uh, and he's thrown four touchdowns and five interceptions. So he is somebody, if I was a team that needed a quarterback and I didn't have the draft capital or the cap space to make a run at one of the top prospects or an Aaron Rodgers or, or even a, a car, I would sign Jameis Winston. I'd, I think, it, again, because I'm assuming his knee has to be fine now. And I do think that there is, there's a pro- productive player there. Uh, he was throwing way too many inter- interceptions with Tampa. Uh, that's what led to, to him being uh, you know, out of there. But I think in looking at it, I think he's been better 
with the turnover since. And again, as you mentioned, he's just 29. Uh, he is somebody I would take a chance on if I needed, you know, if, if, I was, if I was in a position where I needed to upgrade or, or have a, a, a serious competition, I still think there's good football left in Jameis Winston. I just think that the knee injury in 2021 really derailed him. Yeah, it definitely did. But like you mentioned, he's thrown too many interceptions his entire career. I mean, in one season, 33 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. That makes it difficult for a team to trust you. I just think, Frank, there are some quarterbacks where they figure out how to read defenses, the game slows down for them, all the cliches, and Jameis just never fit into that category. You know what's funny? Um, even, even at Florida State, even, even at FSU, even, he's only there two years. And he was, they were great both years. But even in his second year at FSU, and look, he threw, he threw almost 4,000 yards, over 65%. You realize he threw 18 interceptions? Do you realize that? Mm-hmm. His second year at FSU, when they were undefeated, 25 touchdowns and 18 picks. So you're, I think you're on to a little something. He, for whatever, whether he's taking too many chances, whether he's not, seeing, not reading, because he's a bright guy. That from the day he got there, he's always talked about how, how far ahead he was in terms of understanding what defenses are doing. But he threw eighteen intercept. He threw twenty eight picks as a collegian. Now, I mean that that who, in two years. So he averaged he averaged fourteen interceptions a year as a college player. So maybe you know you can't do that in the NFL. You can't. You you really can't. Lauren, to your point. So I don't know. It's interesting. I I, I and I'm like you, Hayes. I don't know that I'd I'd. I'd Sign him and say, I want him to be my starter. But a guy to be the other guy on a team with a young quarterback or a guy to be a stopgap guy or a guy to be the backup, I would think he's going to find a – I would think he's going to find a well-liked guy. I would think he's going to find a team in some capacity. And, again, I would focus in on that seven-game run at the start of the 21 season. Right. Because his pick percentage was only 1.9, which is – Fine. I mean, to throw three interceptions in 161 attempts prior to the injury, that's a pretty good sample size. And it did illustrate that perhaps, uh, perhaps he had learned from the mistakes he had made in Tampa. And so, and then again, it, it, it ballooned uh, last year in his three starts. Uh, his percentage went to 4.3, which is, I mean, basically what he'd been in Tampa. So I, that's what you'd have to look at. You'd have to say, wh- what is is the 2021 Jameis Winston still in there? Can that player be harnessed uh, here? And, and if he can, then I, I think you've got a, a guy that can go out there and throw for 28 touchdowns. And, you know, he's always been able to, to put points up on the board. Uh, you just need him to be better in terms of the ball security. So, Again, I've certainly seen uh, free agents that that are being bandied about that I think are have way less to offer than Jameis Winston. I, I think at this point in his career, he's he's underrated. Same question about Carson Wentz. Any any chance any any chance that Carson helps anybody? I don't think so. I I think I think with Carson Wentz, it's every bit the you know, the personality thing as well. I just, to have this many teams move on from you so quickly, obviously his play hasn't been great, but it does speak to, you know, is he, does he just not connect with people? Um, you know, it's obviously the, the athleticism is, is there and I don't think it's, it's greatly decreased, but 
does he just not take coaching well? Does he just is is he not a great teammate? Like these teams that move on from Carson Wentz do cartwheels when they cut him. I mean, yeah, there's no do. like you're right parting ways or you know trying to hey thanks Carson for I mean these guys just I mean trash him. Yeah, and if he's and if he's on a fourth if he's on another team this year, which he won't be the Commanders, that'll be four teams in four years. That's a lot even for a journeyman quarterback now. I mean, most journeyman quarterbacks are a backup for a couple years. I mean, Eagles in 20, Colts in 21, Commanders in 22, and Team X in 23. That's a lot. And I'll, and I'll always remember something he said when he got to the E. When he first got to the Eagles, he was quoted as saying, yeah, I know I didn't get along with guys well. That's on me. I acted like I was too critical. I acted like I owned the joint, and I had to show some maturity. Well, it's great that he said that, but it's problematic that it was in there. You know, and, and to Hayes' point, you wonder if it never quit being in there. Yeah, and he at that point was a pretty young quarterback to, yeah. to act like that. Still only 30. Right, to act like that at that age four years ago. I mean, that that's certainly not something that you want of your, in theory, your best leader on the team should be your quarterback. I don't think Carson wins. He might start another game, but I don't think he's any team starter for the for the foreseeable. Uh, I'd much rather have Jameis Winston. I would, too. I would too. Not not even close. That, that's the easy, easy, easy answer. I totally agree. And wins gets hurt a lot too. Yeah, yeah. And I and he I almost don't, never plays. I don't love either one of them is my guy, but Winston way ahead of Wentz for me. Totally agree. Same By the way, way, do you think the Saints keep Jameis for one more season with Taysom Hill? I think they're gonna cut him. I think they're gonna cut him. They they save twelve million dollars if they cut that's him. That's what I would think. I would think the the Saints move on. I mean, again, yeah. the fact that they were bringing in Carr for the visit prior to him being released tells you they're. And, and again, they're a club that continues to be all in. They continue to do restructures. They've done it now for really three or four years, it feels like. New Orleans, again, and and this is where they Tennessee may be kind of heading down this road in the, in the becoming the AFC version of the Saints. Like the Saints, to me, don't feel like they have a window of, of to be a title contender anymore. Right. They still have a good defense. They're still good enough, and they're certainly good enough to win this you know awful division. But they're not going to be a threat in the tournament. But they believe they are, and uh, and you can tell by their moves that they are very much in the you know win it right now mode. I don't know that they should be. Uh, so th- yeah, I think they're going to cut Jameis Winston, and they're going to Carr could they're going to try and go yeah. after Carr. And, yeah, yeah. You know, we'll see. It, could Winston final thing? Could Winston wind up back in Tampa, competing with Cal Trask? That feels like. It probably wouldn't happen, you know. It, that to me, that feels like it'd be tough for him to go back there. I, I, from a fit standpoint, it it it's a good fit football wise, but I that's still pretty fresh. I mean, you know, it's it's the old. It's like, un, it'd be unusual. I think it'd be unusual. Yeah. Like I I think with him being the number one pick, and he just played there in nineteen. It's not that long ago. Yeah. I I I could I think he's going to end up more in Atlanta. Where he's competing yeah. with Ritter, uh, you know, maybe if I was Washington, I'd be interested in Jameis Winston competing with Sam Howell. I would too. I would too. That wouldn't make some sense. Let's take a break. I want to get to some hoops. Got a lot of thoughts on college basketball. That's next. Always a best bet Monday here on the Frangie Show. Over the weekend, the Knolls rallied from 25 down to defeat Miami, number 13 Miami, that is, for the biggest comeback in ACC history, Frank, thanks to Matthew Cleveland's buzzer beater. And, of course, FSU fans had fun with John Ruiz's tweet. Yes. FS who at the half when, of course, Miami was up by uh, 25. So I didn't watch the game, and I recorded I recorded the Gator games. So Suzanne and I went to dinner, got home, and put on the 
turned on the Gator games. I could watch the Gator DVR the Gator game. Well, they're both on ESPN two, uh, FSU at four, Florida at six, FSU Miami at four, Florida Vandy at six, and the the FSU game ran over. So literally, when I when you if you recorded it, if you if you're someone who started the recording at six o'clock, the minute I hit play, Miami guys making the shot. So the Miami dude makes a a, a three pointer to go up two or one or whatever it was. FSU races in, inbounds the ball. And again, I've got this on DVR. I'm not watching it live. Matthew Cleveland let one go from about 30 feet and swished it. What a wild finish. And not just a wild finish and not just an incredible um, overcoming a deficit. But how does FSU do that against one of the 10, 15 best teams in the country on the road when they've been so lousy all year? Basketball's funny that way, I guess. It is. That was uh, Miami's first loss at home. They're fifteen and one, and uh, and even I think more disappointing is it knocked them uh, out of first place in, in the ACC. This is a year where Duke and North Carolina are, are not contenders. You'd like to take advantage of that. That's a huge accomplishment to be the ACC regular season champion. And Miami's still in it, but they're now a half game back of Pitt. And if you had told me that Pitt was leading the ACC in college basketball this morning, you'd own my house right. because uh, you, you could have given me probably six guesses and I would have come up with Pitt. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's so, I mean, it, it takes you from Pitt's at 14-4. and four, Miami's 14-5 and five now, uh, so they're going to need some help. And, you want, uh, yeah, you ready for your, ready for your trivia question? Sure. There's two. Okay, number one for both of you, name one player on the current Pitt team. Number two, after you say you don't know any, name anybody who's ever played for Pitt. Tony Dorsett. <laughs> <laughs> Can you name any basketball players in Pitt history? No. Give me any in history. Um, what was the question again? I'm sorry. Any Pitt basketball? Anybody who ever played basketball at the University of Pittsburgh? Yeah. Um, wasn't the there was a point guard uh, Landry Fields? I remember him. Okay, never heard of him, but I give it to you. I'll believe you. Um, I can name two. Jerome Lane, who had the dunk. Yeah. Send it in Jerome. And Sean Miller, who passed him the ball. Because Sean, oh, yeah, yeah. Because Sean Miller came on my show when he's a coach at Xavier and said, Frank, just so you know, everyone calls that the dunk. In my house, we call it the pass. <laughs> and I've never forgotten it. So that's all I got for you. Looks so, like there's a guy on their team that's pretty good named Blake Hinson okay. now. I would so not, I, there's one for now. I couldn't name any. Nice nice pull on Dorsett. You could have gone Marino, but Dorsett was better. Um, so Florida gets beat by Vanderbilt. Florida again. Florida's not very good. There's, the players aren't very good. The team's not very good. Uh, Talk I, about playing out the string. Yeah, and it really is. A, it's just a bad, ugly, see, ugly end to it. Again, it's the worst Florida basketball team, honestly, since golly, because Billy's first two teams were were under five hundred. Maybe maybe Billy's first two teams because Billy's last team was under five hundred, but it was better than this team. So. So, and it's the first under 500 team since Billy's first two teams, which means 96, 97. And I don't remember those teams enough to know whether they were. Jason Williams was on one of them, though, right? Wasn't Jason Williams there? Did he play the whole year? Maybe not. Was that like the suspension so, maybe, year? Maybe it was. But the, uh, but it's that it's been that long. It's been the mid 90s since they've had a team that's this bad. And those teams would have been probably young, under, up, I mean, underclassmen. That's probably, why, yeah. Probably, yeah. So I, I don't remember the details of them. I know that by year three, there were Sweet 16 teams, so they're pretty good. Um, but here's my, but my question. I got or my comment. There may be something there with Riley Kugel. 
Did you watch any of the game? Did you, you, oh, yeah. You, you Absolutely. Watched? Yeah. Riley Cooler has a second 20-point he, he game. He might be pretty good. Have you watched him at all? I, I think he's going to be fantastic for Kansas. Well, that's my, Well, you say that, and I don't know if he's good enough to play for Kansas, but there is a side of me that worries you're going to wake up and he's at Wake Forest. Why would he, he stay? Yeah, Unless yeah. he just likes that, that, I mean, Florida. You, you're, but... you're, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna, you're going to wake up and he's going to be at Illinois. Yeah. That, that's, that's, I really do wonder that, and I wonder – I mean, because he might be pretty good. If you, I mean, he's he's like I'm not saying he's great. He's a pretty good player. I mean, he's he's got more stuff, more athleticism. He can actually make threes. He, he, he makes threes. He gets to the goal. He's he's quick. from Orlando, so I don't yeah, see him yeah. necessarily going to those types of yeah, schools. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, it's I don't, tough. I, yeah. It's tough to. There's no buzz for this yeah, team at no all. No buzz, and at there's all. not going to be any buzz next year. No. So I mean, to me, unless you just love the school, and we don't know in terms of you know his personal what you know what's. Yeah. Uh, what the story is with with all of that, but you know, unless he's just happy, his he's happy with his life there. From a basketball standpoint, I, I mean, I have to think he's going to have some really attractive offers, yeah, right? To and, to go to a a place that actually cares yeah, and, about the basketball program, and, and that and that's my concern because he's pretty good. I mean, he's that is something you could build around. He, I mean, he's he, I mean, he's legit now, and I didn't real I didn't realize how. I mean, he's He's possibly an NBA player. Now he's got to get better, but it, but it might be in there. But I'm thinking if you're if you're Todd Golden, I think re-recruiting Riley Kugel is your most important thing, isn't it? I mean, I think on a team with yeah, no other good players. I mean, you like Kwesi Reeves. I don't think he's very good at all. I think I'd he's a talented. Let him walk. Yeah, yeah I, me too. And I, and I, Bonham's leaving. He's he's all ticked off. He's coming to the media. He's tw- his dad's tweeting how mad he is. He ain't coming back. Kugel chose Florida over Georgia and LSU. Okay, so it's not like he. It's not like Correct. Kansas and Kentucky were in the mix. But now they've yeah. seen him play. Right. No, so. that does and, one, and by the way, one of the reasons Georgia was in the mix, I assume, is because Mike White was probably on him from his ninth grade year. Right. So, I would think so. Yeah. So that's probably why this Georgia was in it. H- has there ever been a more apathetic time for Florida basketball than there is right now? Boy, Hayes. I. I, I mean, Don DeVoe. Yeah. I mean, but it, but that but even but, then but, it but seemed confirm- like there was more anger. Yeah, and I, correct. But I'm confirming your point. Um, it feels irrelevant as heck. I mean, and look, they play hard. I mean, I mean, I, I think they play. I think they like him. The ones that are there, I think, like him. I can't. And I watch every dribble for whatever reason. Cause I'm an idiot. But I um, but I think they play hard for him. I think they. I, I think he connects with them. Uh, he loses his mind too much on the sideline, on the side court. You know, he's 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 like a young guy. That Not argues. as much as the Bellerman coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> good point. So, so, but anyway, I just, I just, I don't know. I, I just, uh, I think trying to find a way to keep him is really, really critical. Well, they were able to do it last year, albeit very different circumstances. But they were able to find enough nil money to keep Colin Castleton at Florida for one year. So and they have the blueprint. Yeah, good, and, and not the nil money, which will be in play here. You're right. But also, he wanted to come back and play for Golden. So, uh, so, so we'll see. But I think it's a big part of it. Uh, speaking of Bellerman, yes, Bellerman UNF again tonight. That's right. Wouldn't it be great if UNF could go on a run here? Because they, I tell be you awesome. what, that game Friday night, that was an impressive win, didn't you think? That was that was an impressive dang win, man. One, they're super hot. Yeah, I mean, like yeah, we that, talked that about. Was, I mean, that, they're they're that, one of the hottest teams. Yeah, you yeah. know, it, certainly. At, Particularly once you get beyond the top two seeds. I mean, yeah. obviously Liberty and Kennesaw yeah. going fifteen and three. You know they've been pretty much hot all season. But uh, yeah, I th- I think UNF wins tonight, and then I think I think they're gonna be ready Tuesday night. Yeah, and, and I, I mean that that is and Lauren, we we were able to stay for that game. I thought 
And by the way, what a great final home game for oh Carter goodness. Hendrickson. In his final game ever in that ever in that. Couldn't have scripted arena, it better. Went for 25. And I mean, it was a and good. And nine boards. It, it, right. It was a good 25. Not that there's a lot of bad 25s. <laughs> but he went for 25. Yeah, it was a, so good for him. Hopefully they get him tonight. Matthew Driscoll's such a good dude. He was so funny on our show, and we're rooting so hard for him. So who knows? You know, at the end of the – guess what, by the way? It's an, it's an elimination turn. Only one team from that league's going. So there's 10 of them have a shot at it. Who cares how many games you got to play? 10 of them have a shot at it. And the league isn't such that you can't win it. I mean, it's not like Liberty and Kennesaw are unbeatable. They're, they're the best two teams, but they're not unbeatable in that league. So it'll, it'll be fun. So, so good luck to F- uh, to UNF tonight. What'd you make of uh, JU finishing six and 12? I think it was a real disappointing season. And I, and I think it was such a, and a real disappointing end of the season, but I think Jordan Mincy in fairness to him, he's only been a head coach two years. The, many other coaches in that league, the Livingston, the Bellarmine guy you talk about his 18th year in there. Matthew Driscoll's got to be around there. You know, a lot of those coaches. He's like 13. You years. know, a lot of those coaches. The, the, the Liberty guy has been there a long time. It's only Jordan Mincy's second year as a head coach. I think things went so well the first year that they probably took a few things for granted, and I think he'll tell you that. I think they'll, they've will they got to find some shooters. They're going to play good defense. Kevion Nolan had a bad year. He was probably the second-best player in the league last year behind Darius McGee. And, I mean, he was the second-best player in the league last year behind Darius McGee, and he had a tough year. So, um um, but I think it's I think it's a disappointment. They've got to bounce back. I think he's got to, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in the portal with them. They can get Mike Marsh back, their center, who's a good player. But they have to. He's got to rebuild that team. I don't think there's any question about it. And it didn't help that Queens beat Liberty. Yeah, yeah, correct. But they wouldn't have been in anyway. But then Queen they they, they weren't going to be. But Queens winning that game uh, would have it wouldn't have mattered if they won. Is is, is the result? Um, I got one other basketball note before we get because I want to get back to Jaguar football and kind of re up the way we started the show with what what it looked like they're doing. Do you realize Gonzaga won 25 games? 25, not 20, 25 games. 25 games for the 16th straight year? It's remarkable. But That's a I remarkable mean, number. I, they Obviously, they play in a conference correct. where no one's really trying other than maybe one or two other teams. Or no one's really capable, correct. Yeah. But, but, uh, and but, you're right, you're right. The West Coast Conference is not very good. Yeah, but but it is amazing. I mean, because they always challenge themselves at right. a conference. Yeah. I mean, they play a very, very difficult uh, at a conference schedule every yeah. year. Um, but yeah, I mean, once you get beyond St. Mary's, yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, I mean, they're 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 gonna get, you know, fourteen in the conference pretty much every year. Good, good point. But and, and that's a fair point. But the fact that they've made themselves that much better than anybody else in their league, sixteen straight seasons with twenty five wins, that's amazing. I mean, that, that, that's a really amazing stat. And you know what? They've kept their coach when everybody thought he was leaving. How many? I wonder how many inquiries that son of a gun's turned down. You know? Oh, I think it's probably been every year for the last 12. And I guarantee yeah, you he's gotten some significant offer. And I got to believe it's the, it's the Carolinas and the Dukes and the Kansases and the Kentuckys who have called, right? Yeah, Carolina and Duke were open. Yeah, they were. <laughs> and, and you know what's interesting about that, Gibby? Both wound up hiring former players who may be okay. Right. I mean, Hubert Davis got him to the final game, and, and John Shire's off to a good start. But it's not like they went and got Mark, the, the equivalent of Mark, the accomplished guys like Mark Few. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, really. But I, I, I just saw the number. Ooh, that's a lot of wins. Yeah. That's Todd Golden's wins. former team, San Francisco, just FYI, was 18 and 13 or is 18 and 13. They are 7 and 9 in their league. So not. Yeah. As strong as they were 
Yeah, when he was last year, when he was able to get him to the I do have a quick whatever that's worth. I do have a quick correction. I said Landry Fields, Levance Fields. I'm sorry, Landry went to Stanford. My apologies. It's still more than we knew, Gibby. (laughs) So you still got that. So let's take a break. We come back. Back to Jaguars football. There's a very clear blueprint uh, that the Jags are employing. We'll discuss that right after this. Heard this one last night, Carlion. Yes, we did. Fantastic. Who all was in your crew? Who who all went? The four of us. The four of us were Terry Norvell, Matt Hayes, Hayes, Carline, and me. Nice. Uh, that was our group. But the um, but there were sixteen or so probably in the, yeah. in the, in the suite. But it was a, it was a, we had a wonderful time. It we was a, fantastic. It was a, it was really good good show in a packed packed house. You were you were shocked how packed it was. I was. I I didn't really know what to expect, but I would say it was at least ninety five percent. Full and again, that yeah, could be chairs close. that you know, cool. so that could be seats where people have you know yeah. gone to concessions or something. But it was, it was a great crowd. Yeah. I mean, absolutely great crowd. Concerts are great. Yeah, they really are. And uh, yeah, the the hospitality was sensational, and it was great. You know, meeting some some wonderful yeah. new friends. I'll tell you this: we said this during the concert, Lauren, you and I, and Lauren Dozier had this conversation at lunch too. I'll say this: those dang rockers from the '70s who are now all seventy whatever years old. They're not afraid, are they? No. They love they love what they're doing as much as you figured they loved what they were doing 40 years ago or 50 years ago. This is 50 years of journey. 50. And now they remember the concert yeah, they performed. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Well, who knows? Maybe they don't. You know, who, who knows what they're doing? But, <laughs> but, I mean, they rock, man. I mean, I was thinking about this. Springsteen, 73. I've seen Chicago. They're all 77 or whatever. Uh, Fogarty was 70-whatever. We saw Mick last year. I mean, I, we could go on and on with those guys. They they rock, man. The Doobie Brothers, you saw them. They're all mid seventies. They were awesome. I mean, I'm telling you, man. These these seventies rockers, hey, they just go, don't they? Uh, you know, I, I love. I mean, isn't that great? It is. Isn't that great? I mean, I wonder if thirty years ago, whoever was seventy then, the guys in the forties or fifties or whatever, it still played. I don't think so. It didn't, you know, you know. Yeah, what I, mean? I wouldn't think so either. I mean, but these guys. They're all still going, you yeah. know. Because that would have been like Elvis, but obviously he didn't, you know, quite make it. Yeah. But are I'm you going not, to see the Eagles? Uh, we are. They're in the. 70s. I think I'm going too. Yeah, they're in the seventies. I'm definitely going to that one. So, but I mean, the Eagles, ELO, um, Chicago, Three Dog Night, Steve Miller, uh, those uh, Journey, the Beach Boys. The Beach Boys are in their in their eighties, by the way. They're they're even older. Yeah. But they, uh, I mean, they they just go, man. God, God bless them. They get in the car and go. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go. Well, you don't go on a concert. You, are you going to? No, I'm playing. I mean, isn't that, that awesome? Mm-hmm. I think it's, I, I just think that those old guys rocking is just freaking awesome. Uh, the Jaguars were in the news in the last few days by restructuring guys. Uh, Jamichael Hasty most recently, um, uh, Foye Aluakon both were restructured. Roy Robertson Harris got a three year deal, three year extension. Hayes, a very very clear message by Jacksonville's football team. We are keeping the band together because we like the way the band played. I, I love this. I love the message it sends. I love the fact that they're doing this. I love the fact that this is a – that you know what? The culture was right. The team was right. And I'll say it again. I said it at the top of the program. That was a good football team in those last two months of the season. That was a damn good team. And it was a young team, meaning it's going to get better. And – uh I love the fact that they've now sent it. And, again, I know the big fish are still out there. Evan Ingram and Juwan Taylor and Arden Key are the three we talked about the most, and none of those guys are necessarily back yet, although I hope, I hope they all three are. But it's clear they're paving the way. These three moves clear the path to make real runs at those three guys. I, 
I love what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. They're taking advantage of Trevor Lawrence's rookie contract uh, that is that is such a bargain uh, considering his strong level of play and what that level of play should be in 2023, which is even higher than what we've seen. And uh, they've done an outstanding job. The restructure of Aluakon's deal uh, saves $10 million. And, and again, yes, it pushes money into, into the future, but it's not that much. You're talking about $7.7 million, according to SpotRack.com, in, in the 2025 season. Uh, that's bearable. And then the money after that's like $2 million, which is microscopic. So uh, it, it's, a, it's a worthy, worthy move. Uh, it's a very low-risk move. And, and again, hopefully, Aluakon will be a Jaguar beyond uh, the, the 24 season. But that's, that's what the restructure did. And, and the restructure doesn't add years to his contract or anything like that. And then to re-sign... Uh, Robertson Harris, I think, is uh, really helps out the defense. I think it gives us a little indication of the plan for Trayvon Walker. Although we'll certainly get more clarity, uh, in, in, you know, tomorrow when Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke, uh join us in Indianapolis. So, um, you know, that's that's going to be interesting to see what does that mean for for Trayvon Walker. But uh, they've done a magnificent job, and they still have a couple of options that are going to save them. You know, roughly. Probably, I would guess, 25 more million, and that's a simple restructure of Christian Kirk, which hands him a nice check, which he'll appreciate, and takes his cap hit from 23 million, I'm going to assume, to probably about 10. And they're going to release Shaq Griffin, which is going to save them uh, a little over $13 million. So they still have two more moves that are obvious to me that will be made. It's just a question of do they make it in the next hour? Do they announce it tomorrow morning? Do they announce it at the podium tomorrow? But uh, it stands to reason that they would do it soon because they know they're going to be asked about restructuring Christian Kirk and Shaq Griffin. So it would make some sense to go ahead and, and announce those moves uh, either later today or tomorrow morning prior to meeting with media just to so everybody knows. Yeah, I was not surprised that the Jaguars extended Roy Robertson-Harris. I know some people were questioning because of the, the financial uh you know, issues that they potentially have as far as, yes, having to restructure and everything. But look, he had five tackles for loss, two quarterback hits, two pass breakups, and a sack during just the playoffs. Roy Robertson-Harris had to be on this team. I was a little surprised by the Jamichael Hasty just because I thought maybe the Jaguars would draft another running back. Yeah, and with Robertson-Harris, your points are good. You got to be, you got to play biggest when the games are the biggest, and he did. He also was an inspirational guy, man. He led, he infused energy into those guys. I mean, he's a good player. I mean, he 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 played really. He played way better year two than year one, and he played way better than Foley Fadakasi. To be, if we're being honest, he Foley was okay, but uh, Roy was our best defensive lineman by a wide margin. I I can tell you this, I called his name a bunch. We were laughing about that. It, 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 that's as much as you'll see a play by play guy call the defensive line, one defensive lineman's name unless he's one of the stars in the league. Now I'm sure the Rams call Aaron Donald a lot, and the Chiefs guy calls Chris Jones a lot, but unless you're one of the the premier defensive lineman in the league, you don't get your name called all that often. I'm sure Mike Keith calls Jeffrey Simmons' name a lot, but I called his name a lot, boy, down this stretch. So, so, and I and I do think so. I think where we're headed, it would not surprise me. I I hope we see the Ingram thing announced because there seems to be rumors when he when he tweeted last week that maybe that thing was close, but it hasn't been announced yet. So that doesn't mean it's done yet. Um, but I hope it gets done. I I I don't worry about Ingram because the tag is there. And we all know they could tag him 
And he even said, that's fine. That guarantees him how much? Top five there? 11 million. About 11 million. So it guarantees him 11. And it could just be a placeholder until they do an extension like they did Cam Robinson. See, Juwan Taylor, you can't tag him because tackle money is so. What's tackle money? 18 million. Yeah, I don't think you can do that. I don't think you. I don't think. I, I don't. I don't think you can commit eighteen million to your right tackle. So you can't tag. You can't. You really can't tag Juwan Taylor. I mean, logic says you can't tag him. The uh, but you can tag Evan Ingram. And so, uh, and I think Arden Key, they'll figure out what the money that's out there for him. So yeah, I I, uh, I I am more confident than ever that all three guys are here. Yeah, I think these moves certainly lead to that. And look, the culture in that building is so important to Doug Peterson and to Trevor Lawrence that I think they looked around and said, we know what we have here. We had a great run, and certainly we are ahead of where we expected to be at this point in time. So let's keep this team together. Let's keep these players together, and then let's add to it here and there. I look forward to seeing those guys tomorrow. It would be great. Seeing when they'll join us, by the way, again. Uh, we expect both Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke on with us tomorrow when we're in Indianapolis. Um, Kevin Kaplan, the team doctor, either Wednesday or Thursday will join us for sure. Our friend Pete Prisco stops by. We're hoping to get Ian Rappaport uh, if he's got time for us. Dane Brugler will be there as well if we can track him down. Uh, so we got a lot of uh, a fun guests coming by, and we'll have a fun roundtable. Uh, Matt Taylor from the Colts, Mike Keith from the Titans, Mark Vandermeer, from the Texans and I will all have a four-person roundtable that we're going to do, and it'll be on all of our stations in, uh, in all four cities, which will be a lot of fun. I think you should wear one of the shirts that we gave away at Strings. Thanks they to our friends. Yeah, like, I was hoping Mike didn't see tired. those. I was kind of saying, maybe Mike didn't. Maybe he wasn't on Twitter that day. So, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's a really good group, man, and it's, it's, I'm certainly looking forward uh, to that. We'll take a break. Got uh, a few other things to get to. Uh, former Jaguar head coach has a job. He's keeping his job. We'll get to that. And I got a thought about the college baseball. Uh, Major League Baseball, Tony Clark had something to say, so a lot more to do. Stay with us. It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. You know what they're getting ready to do, Carline? Bless the rains. Not the bless the rains, Brooks, in case you're wondering. Did y'all know every word to every song? No, 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 I didn't. There were some songs I had yeah. never heard. Didn't know, and yeah, that's no. Toto, Journey, or both? Both. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't know that I – you said a lot of words every song. I probably – I got thinking about this. There's very few concerts I could – that's the case. Chicago, um, Springsteen, I know the words. To, other than the new album, I know the words to all the songs. But I, I – Billy Joel. You know, but I, there's a lot. I'll go to concerts that I won't know the words to every song. Now, Billy Joel, you know, everybody knows those, you know, I would think. so. Has yeah. Journey done anything new? No. No, well, um, I mean, I say that. Yeah, I, not the white knight. They don't really need to. They just play all their old stuff. Yeah, they, they, they never, th- they never uttered the the line that I never want to hear at a concert. <laughs> this which is off is, our new this album. This is off our new album. Yeah, this right, is off the new track. Agree. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly. No, I didn't hear that. So I am, uh, and I was say Arnell Pineda. He does sound just like Steve Perry, and he's a great performer. Yeah, and and that's the thing. You don't know. In absence of Steve Perry, you know who's who would if they wanted to do a new album. You know who's the songwriter? Who's right, gonna? Right. Yeah, how does that whole process yeah, work with yeah. them? So I, I would imagine Journey hasn't done. Have they ever done original material with Arnell? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They, they said fifteen years. Although ago. maybe last night didn't he say something about I thought this he is said one a song. new yeah, song? Yeah, I think he did say one new song right yeah, toward the end. Maybe right, they yeah, did. Right one. before their last four were the ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You didn't boo. No. <laughs> 
No, I was we having too good of a time. We weren't in boo mode. Yeah, I would say I was there, there was no boo mode. Honestly, when there's a song that comes on like that, especially when you're in a suite with the free drinks flowing, that gives you time to go get, fix another drink instead yeah. of like being like, well, I can't miss this song. Yeah. Then I can't miss this song. The yeah. good thing is and, and the bathroom was really inconvenient. It was it was at least 15 steps <laughs> I away. I was just going to say. I was just going to say. Oh, that's perfect. Uh, inconvenient was, uh, was I'm trying to get, here's the set list. So they played the, I think the song Girl Can't Help It. Is that the new one? Maybe. Because they played. Here, here, this was towards the end. How about the uh, cover of uh, that Toto did? Of uh, oh, it was great. Uh, a little help, help from my from friends. A, yeah. Oh, they crushed it. Nice. They, they and I, by the way, I like Joe Cocker better than the Beatles. That, that I do too. That, that one. So, but it was really good. So here's how it went down the stretch. They played. It was loving, touching, squeezing, open arms, faithfully. Then they played that girl can't help it. I think that's the new one. Yeah. And then it was Will in the Sky, Separate Ways, Be Good to Yourself, Any Way You Want It, to end the concert. That's a pretty good little run there now. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a pretty, when you figure Don't Stop is played early. Um, I mean, you fit, Lights was played Lights is a great song. Lights was played early. Who's Crying Now was played early. So it took a while to get to, to that stuff. It was really good. It was a good finish to it. Absolutely. Gus Bradley staying in Indianapolis. Surprised? Uh, I'm not surprised. I, Gus is certainly uh, – well respected is a defensive coordinator, and obviously he's uh, sensational to have on your staff from a harmony standpoint. So, I I mean he's now got a, a pretty impressive resume right. as a defensive coordinator because he obviously had done it in Seattle prior to be, becoming the Jaguars head coach uh, in 2013, and since then. He's been a defensive coordinator for, is there? It's Chargers, Raiders, Colts, that's correct? That's correct. That's the uh, order. So I mean, that's 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 pretty extensive experience. So yeah, I think he's an asset to Indianapolis, and I, you know, I, I think it's, I, I think it, it makes a lot of sense that the Colts would say this is somebody that we want to retain. But it doesn't happen very often in the NFL. No, Usually when you get a new coach, then correct. they always bring in their own coordinators. Usually do. That, that's an unusual so paradigm. that's why it surprised me. But it also speaks to him. It, mm-hmm. It's something that rarely happens happen. Uh, I think he's good for a first-time head coach, yeah, too. No question. Because I mean, he, he'll be a great team. I mean, great. he's a great teammate. Yeah. Is, is, in the coaching staff, among coaching staffs, he's a great teammate. Uh, yeah, Gus was, you know, Gus was three, as far as coordinator goes, three years with the Seahawks. Obviously, head coach for here for those four years. Um, uh, four years as coordinator with the Chargers. Just the one year with the Raiders. And to your point, Lauren, they changed coaches, which meant he was out. And then now uh, a second year, at least a second year uh, with the uh, Colts. I like Gus. I think Gus is a really good football coach. He's a really good man. And I'm glad he, and I'm really glad he landed that. So I feel, I feel kind of good about that. Baseball thought uh, Tony Clark came out and said, Gibby, did you see these comments? I did. This was what, Friday, I think? Yeah, Tony Clark came out and said, just so you know, we'll never agree to a cap. Okay, Tony, well, just so you know, baseball will always have mostly big market teams drawing and making the money and, and spending the money, and that's how it'll be. I was very surprised. I was I was encouraged that even though they've agreed to a new collective bargaining agreement, there's still some owners that want to – and I don't know how, how you revisit it. If you've agreed to it, you've agreed to it. Yet why are you going back and talking about it? Interesting stuff. It's, it's, it's really well. I mean, I don't know what's going to come of it, but it's, it's, it's yeah. I mean, apparently, uh, Major League Baseball they want to put in a cap, but Clark, who's the the head of the union, they said no. Nope, we'll never well, agree to that. Well, if enough, if enough, I mean, owner- do these owners not understand how the collective bargaining system works? If you want something, 
<laughs> you need to do it prior to signing the new deal. Correct. Yeah, and I think what number 100%. What did, and it's like a 10-year how long is this one? I'd have to look. I think it's 10, it's but I have mean, to look. I mean, so it's it's a non-issue for 10 years. Yeah, and see what happens is baseball in a panic to get it I told you know what I told you when they were and Gibby disagreed with me last year. I wanted I would I would have loved to have seen lose the year, have a year without baseball and come back with a cap. And I wish they had done that. Baseball panicked. They lost some time at the beginning of the season. So they said, let's agree to a deal that's not a great deal. And now they're regretting it. And what's happening is they're regretting jumping the gun. So now they're going to say, well, let's form this committee and see how we can revisit it. You made the best point of all. You can't revisit it. Five it, years, by the way. It's five years. So, it's, five years. so for five so years, in, it's, it's, you're done. In for five, five years, years, you'll have to have the conversation that's again. Right, but that's not, right. Yeah. And so, not before. And last year was the first, so it's four more seasons, counting mm-hmm. this one. Four more seasons, counting this one. And then you can have it again. But again. That it, at least in sports isn't. Forever. A really long time. Right, right. But like again, that'll be here before we know it. But again, if you're there, – there's no – there's no – and 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 again, once the collective bargaining agreement's up, union doesn't have to agree to it. We'll just not play, you know? And so – and so and, and I think – and I don't pretend, pretend to labor law, but the owners own the league. They can decide we're not playing. Right. You know, if there's no collective bargaining agreement that, that insists that you have to, just don't play for a year, you know? Don't, this, don't go play. ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, this sentence is funny uh, from the CBA. A fourth tax level has been added at $60 million above the base threshold to address runaway spending. Yeah. It didn't address runaway spending. The Mets don't care how much they're going to have to pay for the luxury tax. Correct. The rich teams don't care. That, that's, and they're, they're always going to – that's why all these other leagues have a cap because there would always be some rich people. And, I, and by the way, let me be clear with this. I do not blame Stephen Cohen. Or the Mets. I do not blame the Dodgers. If you got it and you can spend it, why wouldn't you? I, I, I this is Stephen Cohen is not the bad guy here, and the Dodgers are not the bad guy here. You think I wouldn't love it if if Mark Cuban went and bought the Pirates and they started spending like that? I'd love it. I mean, so don't you wish he would? Yeah, I do. Isn't he, he from it, Pittsburgh? Yeah, and he would. Yeah. but Nutty won't sell it. Yeah, and so why not? But uh, but 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 nonetheless, I I know I do. I so the, so I don't blame the rich guy that spends. I blame the Again, don't cower to the players. Listen, we're going to have a cap. If you don't like it, then we won't play for a while. I wonder if all these radical changes that the sport is is undertaking this year, if that has a supremely positive effect. If fans like me that grew up watching a ton of baseball haven't really been interested in watching baseball in a very long time, but watch a game and see how streamlined it's become and, and how efficient it's become. And it's like, wow, this is, this is pretty entertaining. Uh, and if, if everything pushes them towards stronger viewership, more interest in the sport overall, bringing in more of the casual fan, right. um, it, it makes me wonder if the owners would take that momentum and say, okay, we have fixed the sport. We we have right. we have streamlined it. We've made it more entertaining as a product, and we can see that in our numbers. Now we've got to go for the big prize. Could we be. we have fixed Could the be. sport, which we've been trying to fix now. For, it seems like for about ten years, but we have fixed it. We've gotten it to a point where it fits exactly what society is looking for, and now we need to go after the final piece of the puzzle, which is the which cap. is a cap, and, because and, they'd be better off in uh, five years. After they institute the cap and people get used to it, 
they're going to have a much stronger sport. No question. And, and, and to Gibby's point, the point Gibby always makes, Gibby always made this point, you're right. But part of that, it's got to come with a floor, and the cheap-ass owners like my guy have to agree to the floor. You know, it, it can't just be the cap. You know, if the cap, if they're going to cap everybody at one, 200, well, then the floor has got to be 120. You can't have any more teams spending 60 million. Well, like we can't afford. Well, then sell the team. And so I think hopefully that day. Will yeah, work. I mean there there's um, there's fewer teams that spend over two hundred million dollars. There's way more teams that spend less than a hundred. No question, and and that's the problem. And I, and I don't think you'd get such an argument from the union if you were able to show them that the floor is going to guarantee that there, you could right in a sense you could have a cap right, but still have more revenue available for the talent because there's more money at the bottom. Because there's more money at the bottom by no, a mile. No question. The, uh, and the, the, the union, Tony Clark, said, we're okay with the floor. We just don't want a cab. Well, of course you are. You know, so, but it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. So. so the regional sports networks, like we talked about, are, are looking like they're going to go bankrupt? Yeah, it's a, it's a yes. Because of cord cutting? Is that That's the, the storyline? There's a, there's a number of things. But, yeah, the, the fact that cord, cord cutting is a big part of it because it does, people can, can now spend way less money and see the same stuff. Nobody watches cable anymore. The, in fact, and that's how they were going to make their money. Yeah, was based off of the number of yeah viewers. And, and so, but the cord the cord cutting has really hurt them. I, I think we're we're headed to a world where everything other than the main games on the network in ESPN is going to be streamed. We're heading. Everyone knows we're heading to a streamed world, and I, and that's I'm gonna, fighting tooth and nail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I still mean, have cable. NFL uh, Sunday tickets on YouTube now, right? NFL it's, it's, it's correct. YouTube you, TV. It'll be next year. It'll be on YouTube. That's correct. So, and, and that's a huge move. Yeah, it is. It is. In fact, here's what's funny. We've got this great TV. You guys have all seen it. I've got this great TV in our family room. It's about it's uh it's seventy inches. We have had it for fifteen years. It's got an unbelievable picture. Now it's a really expensive TV. It's not one of the ones you can go get at Target now for four hundred bucks or eight hundred bucks, whatever. And but it's not a smart TV. So I got to get a Roku or one of those things. Yeah. But um. But I like, it, but it's it's unreal TV. It's, and Suzanne goes, "What are we gonna?" I said, "Well, I mean, it's you, I mean, it's it's just, the pictures as good as any t- any TV that comes out right now." And so I don't, I, I guess I'm just staying with my 70 inch, yeah, 15 year old TV. If I can get the, I gotta figure out where to plug in the Roku. Yeah, that I don't have any Rokus, so that I we finally got a smart TV. But I can't have the cords hanging down. Ago. That's not gonna be acceptable with with, with Suzanne Frange. Yeah, I can tell you that right now. You can't have cords. Yeah, you'll have to get somebody out uh, to. Somebody smarter than us to take a look and maybe make, drill something into the wall. One last thing before we uh, send it to break and Lauren wraps it with news and notes. Gibby, we talked about this a little bit, I think, on the air, maybe on the air, off the air. You got JU Florida tomorrow night. I do. I'm interested to see what you think of this guy, Jack Caglione. I can't wait to watch him. He is six foot five, 240. He hit three home runs yesterday. He throws 97 98. No, he's not one of their best. He's their third best starter. They got the other two, the, the Friday, Saturday guys. There hasn't been – I don't think there's been a lot of guys like that come along in college baseball. 6'5", 240. He's got six home runs already. I mean, he's got six home runs and we're in February. Yeah, he's got to stay healthy. Yeah, yeah. It, it always concerns the Tommy John. you. Yeah, because he's had the Tommy John previously. But I'll he's be, throwing that fast. But Gibby, I'll be interested to see what you think of him, a guy that big, that strong, who's hitting bombs, who's dropping bombs all over the place. Yeah, I can't wait. And and look, Florida, you guys know this. I, I'm I usually the night before the game stay up pretty late to dive deep into the, yeah. uh, the 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 numbers and everything. Florida would be undefeated if not for a 
you know, giving up seven runs in the ninth inning the yeah. other night. So, I mean, they're they're on an incredible pace. Eight home runs yesterday. That's a team record, by the way. Um, and Colby Halter, I, I'm excited to see him back, come back home to Jacksonville. Bishop Kenny kid uh, that's playing really well for Florida. Yeah, starting to hit a little bit too. Struggled to start the season. Colby's a really good player, and he's starting to hit a little bit. Let's take a break. Uh, Lauren wraps the program after this with news and notes. What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show News and Notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. Just a small town girl Living in a lonely world She took the midnight train Now I feel like I went to the concert. Between mm. all the stories and the songs today, Journey, accompanied by Toto last night at Star Veterans Memorial Arena. I did send Terry Navarro a text yelling at him uh, for not inviting me. <laughs> Good. Saturday in Down South tweeted this out. There's two minutes left. 2019 LSU has the ball at their own 25-yard line against the 2021 Georgia defense. 2021 Georgia is up six points. Does 2019 LSU win the game? They do. They do. It's a great, it's a great question. It's a great uh, moment. And I don't know because both were great. Both were generational. But I think offense usually beats defense in today's day and age. I say yes. Yeah. Burrow, Chase, yeah. Jefferson. Yeah, too much. Too much. Yeah. I tend to agree. We will be up in Indianapolis at the Combine tomorrow, thanks uh, in part to our good friends Hodges Mazda at the Avenues. Well, Judy Batista is already there. She said today that the Rams proposed making roughing the passer reviewable and the 4th and 15 idea might be proposed yet again. Well, I can tell you this. The first one absolutely should be reviewable. One of the best things college football did was they made targeting automatically reviewable. So even anytime you, you – you, you, you have to call targeting when you think it's targeting, but right afterwards, they review it. I think it's a, that's one of the best things college football did because, I, I, in fairness to the official, you got to call it really quick whether or not it's targeting. So call it and then review it, and then maybe you find out it wasn't. I think making pass, pass roughing the pass re- reviewable is a not only reviewable, automatically reviewable. I love the idea. Yeah, I do too. I, I hope it's implemented. At the Combine, we do know Anthony Richardson plans to throw and do all the testing and drills. C.J. Stroud and Will Levis will throw Hayes, but Bryce Young will do the interviews and wait to throw at his pro day. Yeah, I, I, I don't love it. Uh, I think I should always throw at the Combine. I don't think you have anything to lose, um, you know, assuming you're healthy, and my uh, Bryce Young is. Uh, you know, I, I really thought that was something that, uh, you know, I, I, I thought Blake Bortles deserved to be commended for the year he came out as, as he – you know, embrace that. And, and I think quarterbacks that, that do that, um, yeah, I, I, I do think it sends the right message. It, it, Bryce Young, it's not going to affect whether he's good or not in the NFL, but I, but you are battling to be that, that first quarterback taken off the board and, and probably the first overall pick because it looks like Chicago is going to trade it. Um, so yeah, I, if I was advising Bryce Young, I'd say if you're healthy, you should be out there and, and you should throw it. But, you know, it, they, I think there's a lot of overthinking that goes into this about, well, do we want him standing in a group with Anthony Richardson or Will Levis and having that size I think and frame differential really stand out? But it's like these guys aren't – these coaches and general managers, they're around these kind of athletes all the time. They don't need to see 
you know, the, the scale. They, they, they know it. They're, they're, they know what Bryce Young is compared to most quarterbacks that they've been around. And so, you know, I think it's disappointing. I'd like to see him throw. Uh, but it's certainly an opportunity for the the other three young men to make a big impression. Yeah, I don't think it has a big effect on where you're drafted these days. I think, like like Hayes said, I think these guys know now. Um, but I think the, one of the reasons what you just said, he's a really little guy, and Anthony Richardson and Will Levis are really big guys. And even though you know he's little, he looks even really little next to those guys, and I think you hit it. I think that's one of the reasons. Whether we agree or not, I think it's one of the reasons why they're doing it. Good news for Ventrell Miller. He will be at the Combine without a, bo- a boot on his right foot after having bone graft surgery to repair a Jones fracture. Yeah, he's a pretty good player. I'll bet he plays in the – I'll bet he's a good NFL player. Maybe not a great NFL player, a little undersized, but he's a pretty good player. What do you think? I, I really like Ventrell Miller. I like his toughness. I was at the game where he got hurt, um, and you could tell immediately – that it was uh, it was a significant injury, but to his credit, he he tried to stay in and and really probably should have just not come back, uh, but but gutted it out and uh, you know and, and tried to lift up a, a a poor defense. I I really like Ventrell Miller. I like his instincts. I he's going to be a, a mid late round guy because he doesn't have great athleticism, but he is somebody that I think from a special team standpoint has a chance to, you know, not just make a team, but, uh, you know, possibly get to a fifth, sixth year in the league. Yeah, I'm with you, Frank. I think he actually could be a starting linebacker in the league uh, based off of his football instincts. Tom Pelissero tweeted out that the Rams have had trade talks about six-time pro bowler Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, and that's been talked about forever. Um, my guess is they're probably going to trade him. Look, Let's be honest. Jalen's a very good player. Um, is he on the other side of his peak, maybe, or of his prime, maybe? Um but teams are not going to line – and by the way, they'll get some takers because he's a really good player, and he plays really hard, and he practices really hard. But there are issues because of culture issues that some teams will not take a chance on him. The, the reality is it only takes one, but uh, I'm not at all surprised they're trying to trade him. That, that, that's, that story didn't surprise me one bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in seeing what kind of compensation they're going to get because it's not going to be – you know, what they gave the Jaguars. But, you know, if you're a team that's contending and you're able to acquire Jalen Ramsey for a couple of second-round picks, that would be awfully attractive because you're talking about, I think I still think, uh, certainly an elite corner. And uh, if you, you know, put him with the right team, uh, he could certainly be a, a difference maker in whether you, you know, get out of the divisional round or win the Lombardi Trophy. I don't think he's elite anymore, but I also think his attitude, if he's on a team that's not going places, is going to be a problem. So yeah. that is going to be interesting to me where he lands. I think that's a good assessment. Now, don't mistake attitude for for dogged in. He plays hard. He practices hard and he plays hard. But 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 yeah, he's a he's a powder. And if the game and things aren't going well and the team's not doing well, I agree with you. I think that's an issue. He'll be the first one to point fingers. Uh, Adam Shepard tweeted out that the Bears have been approached by multiple teams about trading the number one overall pick, and of course Chicago is leaning towards moving that. That's no surprise to anyone. No, I, and I think um, no, that's right. I, I'm, in all likelihood, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are going to be in whatever order are going to be the first two picks in the NFL draft, regardless of who's up there at that point picking. My guess, I'd be very, I would be with all due respect to the defensive guys, to Richardson, to Levis to Will Anderson, to whoever else, I would be very, I would be very, Jalen Carter, I'd be very surprised if Stroud and Young in some order aren't one and two. 
Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, Hayes, I know certainly Jaguars fans are going to watch the combine, but I think they were more excited about the workout video that came out over the weekend. That would be one Calvin Ridley working out on a beach volleyball court. Yeah, it's it's really fun seeing what kind of shape that he's in already. And uh, and again, I think just the the motivation that Calvin Ridley has, has displayed in terms of his excitement joining this team, joining a team that's a contender, uh, which at the trade deadline wasn't the case, um, but, but now is. I, I think Calvin Ridley is going to come in with a fantastic attitude, and I think he's going to be in fantastic shape. I, you know, I, I don't want to set expectations too high for him uh, because I just, A, I don't think it's needed. I don't think they need him to have you know, this 1,500-yard, 13-touchdown season. That would be great, but I don't think that's what they're going to uh, put on him. Uh, I think it's more just, you know, come in, fit in, and, uh, and and be Calvin Ridley. I I think I think this ended up being a match made in heaven for both parties, assuming Calvin Ridley's got, you know, the personal stuff figured out. I I, I think it's it's going to be a lot of fun. I I know that the first time that you know we're back on the field watching the Jaguars practice, I I mean I I can't imagine I'm going to go anywhere else but go see Calvin Ridley in person for the first time. Absolutely, I totally agree. Frank, when it comes to the Honda Classic, when golf, Chris Kirk won for the first time since winning the Colonial back in 2015. He beat out Eric Cole. Here's the fun trivia nugget. He will be the last Honda winner as Honda is ending its title sponsorship of the event after 24 years. I'll be darned. I didn't know that. And that thing's been around forever and good for Chris Kirk. He's, he's persevered and found a way to win. I'm getting excited about golf. I can't lie, Carl. I'm right around the corner. I am too. And about I was one week away. Yeah, I was surprised that there weren't more of the stars competing at the Honda Classic. And I'm curious what the is the is there a major event? Yeah, Bay Hill is this week, right? Yeah, Bay Hill yeah. is this week. So uh, so this will be a, a good week for golf to see. Uh, I would imagine that uh, uh, that Bay Hill is going to have an, an outstanding field. I haven't looked at it yet. Uh, but that should really give us a sense of, of who is playing well and who isn't uh, with the players now uh, just really about nine days away. And a player's note, the general parking lot for Friday has reached capacity. Yeah, so yeah. you cannot get those tickets anymore, those parking passes anymore. Friday night was senior night for the Gators against Kentucky. Florida won easily and won the SEC regular season title for the fifth straight year. Trinity Thomas had a 9.975 on bars and the floor. Florida had three 9.975s on bars. What that means is one judge gave a 10, the other judge gave a 9.95. That second judge was wrong. It should have been three tens, uh, and that bar score was the nation's best team score on any event this season, so certainly a much better meet for Florida than the week before. So this year they could win the national title. Yes, and this Friday, we will come back from the combine, this Friday, Florida at Oklahoma. Oklahoma's oh. number one in the country. Florida's number two in the country. Ooh, so Caroline. Friday, watch gymnastics. Party. I got two words for you. Watch party. You yeah. won't be watching with me because you'll talk too much and you'll ask me questions oh, and I have ah. to focus. Um, watch party. We're just not invited. Okay. <laughs> watch party. Right. We're not invited to. You got that right. Frank, I know you mentioned this last week. You wanted to see Jake Paul lose while he lost yeah. for the first time to Tommy Fury, the half-brother of Tyson Fury. I want to see Jake Paul get in the ring with Tyson Fury. That's yeah, what I, don't I would. Think that's I, happen. I'd, pay to, I'd pay to see that. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. That that knockout would happen so fast. That's what I want to see. And finally, did you see? I'm sure you did not. A Northern Kentucky baseball player hit two grand slams in the same inning and hit for the cycle in the game.
Really? Two Grand Two Slams, grannies same in the same inning. inning. Who did? His name is Liam McFadden-Ackman. Ackman. He is a Northern Kentucky baseball player. Wow. And he hit two Grand Slams. Two grannies in the same in the inning, same and he hit for the cycle. Inning. Wow. What was the score of the game? Uh, that's a good question. 20 to 12? I, I didn't even look. <sighs> How about that? What, are, what is North Kentucky, the Norse? Isn't that what they are? I, I can't know. remember, but that's pretty crazy. It is. It is. I right. thought so as well, so I had to share. Now let's say hello to Hacker. Now, the two-minute drill, brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping the rubber on the road with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. Always good to see my buddy Hacker. Did Baloo move to Costa Rica? Is that what happened? <laughs> Apparently, he's been there a while, right? Good, Taking videos of snakes yes, and all is. kinds Love of wildlife it. there. In the, yeah, uh, how'd you feel when you saw that snake? I'm not a big fan of uh, snakes, to be honest. So I just uh, saw it and I turned my head very quickly. Now you don't like snakes. No. Have you ever like had? Have you ever had to kill a snake? Uh, yes, I have. Yeah. Um, I was not happy about it. But you handled it. But I did it. Yeah, okay. there were little children around, and it had to be done. Okay, so okay, okay. Uh, under those circumstances. Circumstances, it's go time. The snake didn't want any part of hack. No, any any other time, I would have run very fast the other direction. Yeah, okay, so there you go. So there you go. What's going on, hack? What's going on in your world? What do you watch these days? Well, magic? The, you well, the magic? well, the magic. Yeah, I'm kind of excited. We have going to have two lottery picks coming up again in the uh, summer draft. Okay, well, so uh, that's where I'm at in life. That, yeah. You know, you want, used to want the Pirates to get you to football season. Training camp. I want the magic to get me to March Madness. Okay, okay. You know what? That's and if fair. the magic can get me to March Madness, that's a good year at this point. You know what? I've been there. Been so there. they're going to get me to March Madness, but uh, was at the Jacksonville Iceman game yeah, on that. Saturday. Was there, right? Yeah, first sporting event he ever went to yeah. was the Iceman game on Saturday. Actually got up on the video board yeah, uh, for in the third period, so he really, really enjoyed that. Boy, the Iceman, they do it They do it really well down there. That was, was that a lot of fun. One, was that the 12,000 crowd? They, there was a lot they, of people. It was they, Saturday night, yeah. They do a, Andy Kaufman and his group do a great job. They, they, Bob Robolo, that's a great group down there, and they know what they're doing. Yeah, it was fun. It was very fun. We will definitely be back. Oh, it's coming up tonight. Yeah, I know you guys are off to the combine. Uh, Demetrius Harvey's on an airplane right now. I think he's going to join me uh, from Indianapolis coming up later on on Hacker After Dark tonight. Uh, we're going to Chicago. All these rumors about the Chicago Bears, Justin Fields, the number one pick, is that in play? Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun Times tonight, and Jason Cole, long time NFL writer, will join us coming up here in about a half an hour. All right, Hack. Thanks, buddy. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Hacker Nation, Hacker After Dark comes up right now. This is our last show until Friday in studio, but we will be live from the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis each of the next three days. Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke expected tomorrow. Uh, you'll hear from the other play-by-play guys. You'll hear from Pete Prisco, Kevin Kaplan, the team doctor, an assortment of other guests as we're looking forward to it, and a lot of the players. Hayes will be tracking down as many of the players who have come to the Combine as we can. That'll do it for our program. Don't go anywhere. Hacker After Dark comes up right now. For Hayes, Lauren, and Gibby, I'm Frank Francis. So long.